0: hey what's good what's good what's good welcome to reflections of a dj the road podcast i'm your host dj crooked we got dj never yo what up we got dj d miles what's good we got jamie the great You're and we got a special guest one of the voices of la radio legend out here we got la's finest dj felly fell in the building what's good man Was good up, man, what's good? Yeah. On, man.
1: Yeah. thank you guys for having me no nah, no nah, nice. thanks for coming to me, man. thank you yeah bro. yeah
0: you you just you just came straight off the airways and I straight did. over here, yeah. I did caught
1: caught a little bit of traffic, uh, but made it. Got yeah. found found that you know downtown parking man. Woof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of y'all. Uh, some of you guys, you cats are from from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of y'all live in Vegas, but um, LA is a crapshoot. Sometimes you go some places, you know, and it's like easy as hell to get there, and and uh-huh. then another time you're like, yeah, this is what everybody thinks LA is like: traffic yeah, all do. the time. <laughs> It'd be like that But I'm good I'm good Yo I'm thanks here. for coming too man The yeah. spot is dope by the way
0: Yo, Thank good you Good looking yeah, This spot yeah. yeah.
1: like, <laughs> lit I was like My boy lives down the street But he
0: he ain't got views like this <laughs> <laughs> You were just telling us That you had the uh, The teen cancer event Right The basketball event We did The we, charity we, uh, we, Yeah it was our second annual um, Power 106
1: Monster Energy Celebrity basketball game mm. Um and it was to, to benefit Teen Cancer America. And, uh, you know, last year we did it at UCLA Poly Pavilion. We almost did it at Staples Center this year wow. uh, because last year, the first annual was, was – it was really successful. We were very uh, blessed, surprised but blessed to, to for it to be so good for, you know, such a new event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this being the second annual, we – doubled what we did last year oh wow and oh. so probably next year we'll be at staples but yeah some of you guys saw the the floyd Mayweather breaking his ankles go viral oh yeah, yeah that yeah, was sure. at that game That's uh shout the bone collector he uh he collected uh, them bones man. <laughs> yeah man he did, <laughs> he did. <laughs> pasadena california bone collector but uh it was dope man the uh, baby performed during halftime oh, uh shit, yeah. ty dolla sign uh snoop uh rolled up on us um Eric Dickerson, you might remember Eric yeah, Dickerson from the Rams. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was he coached uh, Floyd Mayweather's team, and uh, Kyle Kuzma uh, coached uh, Gronk's team. Yeah, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was it was Gronk against Mayweather, Damn. and uh, yeah, it was fun. We have fun, so we, you know. Hopefully, if you guys are out here, it's a good time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it Sounds a lot. like it, man. Man, and there was a lot of celebrities through There people that we didn't even, you know. Last minute, we had to, you know, kind of move and shake. And most of you guys in here have, have thrown parties, you know, obviously DJed. But yeah. mm-hmm. for you guys that have thrown parties, you know how it is. Like last minute, all of a sudden, you gotta, you kind of just gotta roll the punches. But it was a big event, and it was, it ended up being a big turnout. And uh, you know, we are excited about the third annual, um, third annual. Yeah,
0: that's dope. Yeah,
1: thanks. Yeah. Nice. My, my bro, I got to shout out my, my brother Marcellus Wiley. Marcellus is a good friend of mine. And he did play-by-play play. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Spencer, comedian Chris Spencer, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Nick Cannon, uh, which is our new morning show on Power 106.
0: So we, we were happy about that. Uh, yeah, what's, what's the details about that? What's going on with Nick Cannon and his involvement?
1: I mean, you know, honestly, uh, he, he's so about four years ago yeah. when when so you're familiar with Big Boy who did mornings on Power yeah, of 106 course, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. for yeah. years. Big uh, went across the street to, to that to that other radio station. <laughs> it's a competition. Uh, and uh, he went over, he went across, I'm just being funny, he went across to The Real, and um, we we, uh, we had a, a, a we had to figure out what our next morning show would be, and that was J. Cruz. J. Cruz did it for about four years. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. Um, Cruz uh, ended up going to The Real. But when Big, I left out a part, I'm sorry, when Big went, four years ago, yeah, we had the idea to bring Nick Cannon, myself along with DJ E-Man, and for whatever reason, it was the station at the time really didn't want to do it, and I think it might have had something to do with Nick's stuff, you know, I mean, Nick is, <laughs> Nick has got 18 jobs, if y'all know anything about Nick. And then I think yeah. he had
2: health issues at the time as well. He had right? some
1: health issues, um, and, you know, I know he's still dealing with that a little bit, um, but he's a, man, you know, Nick just I don't think i've ever met anybody in my life that goes harder in the paint than, than nick mm-hmm. and and you know i'm we're all hustlers in here as djs and you know producing music and stuff like that but nick thinks he can do everything mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um, I mean, he, he, he wears a turban. He, he, <laughs> he, he thinks he <laughs> wears a turban, <laughs> but you know. But the funny thing is, here's what I say: because people, a lot of people have asked me before, yo, like Nick tries to rap and he tries to do that, and I'm like, look, Nick doesn't try to rap. He actually raps. Mm-hmm. It's just the problem for he's. You know, he became known as a host type person, right? Yeah, and and, and you know, I think it's real hard to to wear even if you're if you're able to wear different caps being able and being accepted in the different arenas are two different things Mm -hmm. so i think that's been nick's struggle when it comes to um he's never had the problem you know being able to do multiple things it's just uh, being accepted which kind of sucks you know what i'm saying that that's why i look at people like drake you know and somebody who went from doing like a Degrassi. Yeah. yeah, you know, a Canadian and, TV mm-hmm. show for I guess it was a teen type yeah, type yeah, show, yeah, yeah. and to be able to transition like he did, like man, that, that that's you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it takes a special special talent. But the funny thing is, Nick is that talent. It's just,
0: um, but he had kind of like a Will Smith flow.
3: Also, he yeah. came from like, Nickelodeon,
0: yeah, so that didn't help much either. No, but I think I think the way he spits, like Will Smith can spit. But it's just like kind of like it's not like it's kind of Nick was here right now. He yeah. was
1: he would tell you he he could he could beat Drake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'd laugh. But 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 here's the thing, and I say that because Nick, you know, you kind of got to think like that. Yeah. You know, like you can't. You know, you got to enter that DJ battle <laughs> thinking that you're Jam Master J, Jazzy Jeff, and Cubert all rolled into one. And yeah. You know, yeah. that's what's going to allow for you to have the. The, even the opportunity but to maybe win it, he said he funny, could be man.
3: he said he could be eminem yeah i remember that yeah
1: that's my point you know he's mm-hmm. but but that's the great thing about him so when you know years ago when when we were looking when when big boy went across the street um it just wasn't the right timing it wasn't the right people and the mm-hmm. stuff going on at the station i mean i'm I'm trying not to get too detailed for, because it'll turn into a, you know, I don't want the conversation to wing off into to all, the, to all that crap. But, yeah. um, it just, you know, things are meant to happen, I believe, at certain times. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Nick, you know, here it is four years later. Uh, once again, we were looking for a morning show. And, you know, for me, it was a no-brainer when Nick's name was brought up. Uh, you know, I was like, listen, I was saying this four years ago and you know so and i and i know nick really well he's got a great attitude I, I know how hard he works and and i know most importantly there is nobody on the planet that has more relationships with celebrities especially within the hip hop you know entertainment type you know urban side of of the entertainment business than nick cannon and mm-hmm. yeah. i don't even think that's my opinion i think that's a fact mm-hmm. uh so you know it, it just kind of plays hand in hand it made sense for him to do mornings. And, and I think Nick is, is on his way to, you know, being an all star morning show. Yeah he's, yeah,
0: he's actually, his comedy is extremely edgy, which is dope. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he, and yeah. he uh, I think he had like a podcast for a second. Yeah. And remember, he had Dame Dash on there? Yeah. And they were talking about mm-hmm. some real ass shit. I know, like, I, I forgot that, about yeah. that. Kelly, yo. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, think that, that. I think at that time, I kind of realized, like, yeah, like, this dude should have his own show. Mm-hmm. But like you know, like a, like you know, either a talk, some type of talk show or something else besides yeah. Wilding yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is he wasn't out. he wasn't afraid to say anything. Yeah, yeah. And it was just what he believed and what he thought was right. So I think that's perfect. Yeah, for morning radio, especially. You think Wilding Out's right?
4: been running for ten plus years.
1: Ten? I that's think longer, crazy. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to be around ten, but. But yeah, Dame Dash. I. I. I it's funny. <laughs> I. I. I could imagine Nick and Dame having a conversation because you know Dame is a real opinionated, uh, person. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you could you can learn a lot about somebody by hearing them have a conversation with Dame Dash. And the funny thing is, I. I had that happen recently, uh, after that Kanye Wyoming trip. Oh wow! Uh, or during during that trip for his rele- the record release for the record release, yeah. release we had uh. We were on a bus. They had given us a bus ride. Oh, it was from the farm that he did it on back into town, Uh back into Jackson Hole or whatever it was called. Yeah, it was called Jackson Hole. Yeah, yeah, it was Jackson Hole. So so we, 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 we actually, you know, he was a little outside Jackson Hole where the farm was, but we all stayed. He put us up in Jackson Hole mm-hmm. and uh, you know just when you thought it couldn't get more Jackson hole you know you were, <laughs> you were 30 minutes away from Jackson Hole where the farm was and then the bus you know would take if you wanted to go back into town after the event you know there was buses and I happened to be on a bus that Dane was on and I didn't know he was on the bus. And I get on the bus and I'm like, man, somebody is hot boxing up in here. And it was smoke, it was smoked out. It was like yeah. the I don't remember the the, the NWA video but when Eazy-E and them step out the, the the Astro van. You know, but I got on and and uh it ends up being Dame and he was like Fally. I was like, oh somehow we ended up in this conversation and I've known Dame for a pretty long time and everybody on the bus started pulling out phones and this and that and you know yeah. we ended up having to say nah, we can't we can't have the phones out when we're having these kind of conversations, but, but yeah, Dame Dash is a—that's the homie. Now he's got an office in, in Burbank. He's still doing his clothing stuff, and and uh, but Nick, that's a good example. To you know, when you could see somebody like Nick talking to a Dame Dash, right? Yeah. And and that's the great thing about Nick. You know, he's he can do it. He really can do it all. Like he's a pretty good DJ. All uh, right. he's a pretty good DJ. Uh, he's, you know, he's got the personality obviously to host TV, uh, to do radio, and and he and he's a he's a pretty good rapper. He wears a lot of different hats, and not many people can even do one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, and I'm not just saying it because he's my boy. He he really is. Nick's Nick is a hardworking dude, and he deserves you know all that he's got and all that he's gonna get.
0: How was the vibes at that Wyoming event when you guys were? It there? was weird.
1: It was weird, you know. It, I'm not even on the front. It was, it, so it was, I remember when we landed, you know, I mean, we already knew we were going in the middle of nowhere. Wait,
0: wait, can you break it down? So, like, you, you get an invite from Kanye or his team, and they're like, mm-hmm. we want you to come to the, the listening party for. Yeah,
1: you're one of, like, very few people, you know, um, not even 100 people. Uh, is what they initially said i think it ended up being more uh than that because i think probably what happened is you had a lot of people going like hey man how the fuck what the fuck i didn't get it and they were like oh shit we should have invited this person so i think it was i don't know it it might have been 200 people maybe Mm -hmm. 170 i don't know but it was um i remember thinking do i want to go to this shit and i'm glad i went because you know, it, it, it's a conversation that that I've had many times since then, and I think that I'll have with DJs and like right. you know music people for years to come. Because mm-hmm. ended up being like a, a, a one in a million you know event because yeah. not many people could go. So I'm glad I did it. But when we landed, I remember thinking, "Holy shit! Like, where the fuck are we at?" <laughs> you know, and, and it's not like I didn't. I guess I expected it, but um, but it was interesting. You know, it was interesting to be in a town. That really doesn't see the, a lot else. That I mean, obviously there's the internet, you know, and stuff like that. But th- it really is a type of town where they're all about themselves, right? And so you, you walked know. around the town, or you just went to very little. <laughs> uh, I was literally there. I think a day. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we landed one evening, and I think flew out the next morning. So it was it was literally like you know, but we went to a we went to some bar, uh, at, well, actually one bar, mm-hmm. you know, and it was exactly what you think it probably was and you have in your mind <laughs> a lot of country That's, music. <laughs> it was crazy and it was like, it, so when we got off that bus, damn. Yeah. We go. We end up at this bar. Mm-hmm. So we end up, and of course, you know, Dame was being Dame. There was uh, even in even in Wyoming, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There was the broads were pulling up, you know, and it was, it was an interesting situation. I, and I was looking at the bartenders like, what are these motherfuckers thinking right now? <laughs> right. You know, because they, <laughs> you know, even on their wildest, craziest, you know, night, they probably weren't used to you know something like that. But yeah. it was interesting, and I'm glad I did it. And uh,
0: you know to look back on it and tell some stories what's what's your perspective on kanye right now because you you've worked with him and you've probably known him for a long 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 time i mean he he was on uh, your record finer things right which Who is was? one of which is a really great record yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you that's my favorite record man that's my favorite record. great choice yeah. of bpm on favorite,
1: that, one. I, that sounded that sounded so cocky that's my favorite record <laughs> it's my it's the favorite my favorite record that
0: i ever did yeah uh, it was such a good follow-up to uh like get buck in here Thank which you. was like a turn up record thank you it dominated the clubs at the time in 2007 right Everywhere. and it, it was one of the yeah. few records that kind of sped up every like hip-hop a little bit to the 110 and up you know what i mean it was like the go-to transition record for every dj coming out of their fast set going from 100 bpm to 120 you had to throw in like get buck in here you know to get get on the way up. or coming out of your 100
1: bpm and to go down to go to 88 yeah yeah. because i you know i slowed it down with with little john at the end yeah 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 but now you know kanye working with kanye so the 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 short story of Kanye and I meeting, um, basically happened uh, because he had a he produced a record for Jay Z. It was um, he produced a lot of records for Jay Z. Yeah. This one was uh, uh, God. Mine's going blank. Is it H
3: two the Izzo or before? Nah, one? nah, it was no. To be Radio uh, cut
0: or album cut? Is it Guess Who's Back? Like Scott Nope. It's right,
3: did right in that air. Was it um, the Def of Tone?
1: Huh? This can't be life. No. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Is it the <laughs> one where he, um,
2: <laughs> he sampled Explosive? No. Was it Death of Auditone? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <We're all> <laughs> it was before that. We could do this for like I'm, 20 I'm minutes. I'm embarrassed that I can't
1: remember the song, but he um, he sent it to me, and it was already, it was a Jay-Z song. It was a, it was a popular song, and I'll, again, I'll remember it in a second, but he uh, he hit me up and was like, yo, we were, so he was a heavy hitter at the time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, for people listening to this podcast wait, don't who, know. Who, Kanye was a heavy Ka- hitter? Kanye was a heavy hitter. If you, if you look back at some of his um, first vinyl that he put out, uh, it, it has the heavy hitter logos on really? the album oh, vinyl. I never noticed I didn't that. know that. Yep, yep. He was the only, for the most part, non-DJ. He was definitely the only rapper that was a heavy hitter. Yeah. And really? this was back in, I want to say... Oh, I've been a heavy hitter since 2000. Uh, I want to say this was 2003. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 2003. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he, uh, he. So we knew each other from being in, you know, in the in the game, uh, and him being in, you know, obviously in our crew, and um, and he knew who I was. I think obviously because of me being the dj that i was on a big station in la mm-hmm. so so you know fast forward about a year or two later he hits me up and he says hey man i got this i got this um i cut a verse to uh, can't remember the damn song but i cut oh, a sure. verse to the Jay-Z, Jay-Z song and um and he goes yeah you know i freestyle basically and i was like yeah i'm going to send that shit to me so uh, i get it Downloaded mm-hmm. on a CD, the shit was really dope, and I played it on the air. And I, I think that was the first time he had ever heard him, himself on a station, probably outside Chicago, because I'm pretty sure that Ferris and some of the guys in Chicago had played some type of freestyle he had did. But mm-hmm. I know it was the first time he was, was it, ever was played. Was it Ain't No Love in the City? Like no, no.
4: that's what I was <laughs> thinking. I was thinking hard the City,
1: but yeah. Kanye's not. Excuse on Excuse me, way. Miss. Excuse me, Miss. Oh wow, Uh-oh. it was Excuse Me, Miss. If That's I'm a not Pharrell mistaken, beat, right? no, Pharrell did that, right? And then it wasn't. Excuse me, miss. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: fuck song was it, man? It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna bug. It had shit to be Blueprint 2 off um, of that album. 03 uh, Bonnie and Clyde was on there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can't, I Like I said, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember. I should know shit like that, but but fuck I got. Man. I mean, I got a lot of stories like that, you know. In my defense, and it was it was one of those
0: moments where you know Kanye never forgot it and um that's a big deal to an artist though especially yeah, to yeah. get broken like i remember like franzen will always tell us about jay-z never forgetting that he was the first uh D- dj on the radio on the west coast in cali to play a jay-z record you know mm. you know and he he remembers it to this day yeah you know just no, get yeah. broken like that it's yeah changing I, I, it is it, crazy
1: man because um i got a lot of a lot of those stories with artists um mm-hmm. that you know either it was their first time ever getting played on the radio at all or in some cases it was um you know the first time they got played in a major city yeah Yeah. and it's you know when you come from nothing you know uh, t-pain is one to six out um he uh he had when he did i'm sprung the way i heard that record was uh stat quo From ATL, you know, Mm -hmm. who was rapping, doing a lot of stuff with Dre at the time. Yeah, Stat was actually staying with me. He was writing stuff for Dre, and Stat was staying with me out here. And he, he, I got off the air one night, and he, he, he hit me and said, "Yo, I'm at this party at the Avalon, some Eminem shit. I'm ready to get the fuck out of here." He's like, where are you doing? I said, I just got off the air. I'll come over the hill and pick you up. So I go over the hill to Hollywood, pull up, pick him up at Avalon. He gets in with the car. We, we're driving back to my house. And he plays. Um, he goes, yo, tell me what you think about this. And um, he pulled out this CD, blank CD, whatever-looking thing, Put him, listen, and it's I'm Sprung. Hmm. And he's rapping on it. And I was like, he goes, yo, what do you think? And I was like, who the fuck is this? And he was like, man, this guy's from, from – uh, from Florida and you know he's like I ran into him and you know I jumped I loved the song so I you know I jumped on it Yeah. and I'm like yo this shit your rap's dope but this record is crazy like whoever this dude is is <laughs> crazy and uh and I said man I'm playing this shit tomorrow and I and I literally took the CD um, played it on played it on my note at the time I was doing nights I was doing seven to midnight and uh played it and you played that version. With I played that there. version, and uh, uh, he was—I don't remember if he was in the middle of trying to get a deal um, or he had just gotten a deal with John Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he had a deal yet, but it doesn't matter because uh, the, the 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 whole the punch to the story is fast forward about two months later. I was on the air. It was like ten o'clock at night, and I was I was I was doing my mix. And my producer was like, yo, security's calling downstairs. And, and uh, that guy T-Pain is here. That song you've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? I'm like, okay. And I said, yeah, let him up. So um, they let him up, you know, and I get tapped on the shoulder and yeah, this, yeah. This, this dude with long, you know, dreads, yeah. you know, sitting there. And he just looks at me and he just hugs me. He didn't <laughs> say anything. He just hugged me. And uh, and I give him shit to this day. We ended up, you know, becoming really good friends after that. But he <laughs> he started crying, and wow. uh, yeah, he's, no. a cry he's a little fucking crybaby. He's <laughs> a little bit. He's a little biatch. And uh, and <laughs> to this day, when we hang out, I, I make jokes. Like I'll do random shit. Anything that has to do with crying, right, right. Like you know, if I there's a tissue there, I'll be like, yo, you need you need this. You're not gonna cry, are you? <laughs> you know, but... Uh, that's some real shit, though, I mean... So yeah, he, yeah. he, it was, he was, and that's, that, I think that's why I said, you know, you, people come from, you know, you never know what people were coming from and right, what they've right. dealt with, yeah. and Payne dealt with a lot. I mean, shit, like, hit the name says it all. Yeah. You know, and um, he was just so... He was appreciative for sure, but I think he was just so like I can't believe like what the fuck uh-huh. like just a, two months ago I did this song in my house at that you know it, it, literally at his at his mom's house or his grandma's house I can't remember, you know just like we all did turntable mm-hmm. set up in there with a keyboard and all this shit in a little tiny bullshit room I'm sure y'all had those rooms yeah you know he had that and he re- just stumbled across you know a thing called Auto Tune um, and took it to that that he took that auto-tune shit to the whole next level but he um when you come from shit like that uh you know it moves you yeah. and, and he really was sincere and meant it. and you know to this day uh you know we, we we joke about it now but it was funny like recently i did a, a show and he was there uh, uh uh it was our uh was it rolling loud no it was uh whatever show we 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 did recently I can't remember. Uh, but he he was there and and we we sat down and we were we were talking in front of some cameras and somebody brought that up like tell the story of how you guys met. And so we told that story and yeah. I was you know I was I gave him a hard time about it, you know. <laughs> an extra hard time. Like if we're in private I'll I'll nudge him and be like cry baby but It'd I be went worse. in. I'm like remember that time and yeah. here's how it happened.
0: Do you but, f- do you feel like what uh, what do you think radio is right now, with like, and with the the power of like the, that DJs have to play and break new music and to introduce new artists? Like, where do you where do you see this? Where do you see radio going? Especially, you know, it, I know this conversation has been going on for a while now, mm-hmm. just about streaming and just how people are, you know, listening to music and you know, uh, absorbing all the new music. There's so many different ways right now, but obviously streaming seems to be the number one thing and I don't really know how it's affecting radio as much but I can imagine it affects radio but I think what's also being effective is the way that you know people are listening to new music and consuming, the way it's coming yeah. yeah consuming it yeah exactly and wh- where do you think it's going right now like those stories like those great moments where you know like being a DJ and having that gut feeling when you hear a song and being like yo I'm gonna play this on my show like th- th- that's slowly going away you know what I mean and where do you think it's going to go like so
1: i think that um we've already hit a plateau of people that have made their choice between being digital users and and uh terrestrial radio consumers right and i don't think we're you're going to see a big switch and swing either direction at this point mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know i think that um i think that it has to answer your question or you yeah. had to comment on what you said about one little part of that comment was it has affected terrestrial radio for right. sure. But but here's the thing. Um, first of all, I think streaming. Well, I don't think it's a fact streaming um, saved the music industry. Yeah, definitely. You don't have a music industry. You don't have radio. Mm-hmm. So I try to explain to people that let's think about this, you know. Um, if 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 streaming wouldn't have come about and record labels went away, where does that leave radio stations? Because, you know, for years, um, radio station record labels relied on radio stations. But let's just keep it real. Radio stations relied on record labels for, yeah. for a lot. You know, it was a relationship yeah. and some can argue who needed who more. But that's irrelevant here because when the streaming came in, it was a it was a it was an avenue and a platform. For you know, for uh, music to be heard, music to be sold, music to be consumed, and um, and 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 you know, it's 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 kept the music industry alive. So that you need radio mm-hmm. yeah. um, now. When people try to compare streaming and as a you know, saying there's competition with you know a Spotify and a terrestrial radio station like Power uh, in LA or or you know, Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Hot 97 in New York. Yeah. Um, here's what I say. Terrestrial uh, uh, Streaming services shouldn't worry about radio. Mm-hmm. I understand how they're super-duper competitive amongst each other. Amazon, uh, Spotify, right. especially Spotify and Apple Music, mm-hmm. uh, and, and even Pandora, I, w- I guess we could put in that mix, and a few others that are on to come up. Uh, Title... Title, I'm sorry. Yeah, yep, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so streaming services should be worried about one another mm-hmm. but shouldn't be worried about terrestrial radio. And I think they're starting to figure that out. You know, recently I had a conversation with some people over at Spotify about some podcast, you know, stuff. And we got into, you know, trying to, to get terrestrial radio involved with, with streaming, mm-hmm. doing podcast stuff. Because, you know, radio stations – are still a a a platform for celebrities and and artists to come through and i'll touch on why that that is because because i want to i want to touch on that um but but it's still a platform and it's great to for podcasting you know for a radio station to have a podcast with its with certain personalities on the station i mean in some cases i see people who I knew that I needed to have a podcast when I found out that Ryan Seacrest's producer had a podcast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing when- <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even know that. Are you serious? Yeah I, yeah, I don't know the dude's name, but in a conversation, we're Jesus like, for Christ. God's sakes, fella, Ryan Seacrest's producer has a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Damn. I get it. Uh, so what, I, what I've tried to do is marry the idea of a streaming service like Podcast and a terrestrial radio station like Power 106 working together, and I was able to make that happen. Mm. And, and it led, you know, I had a lot of conversations with many different people about that. Um, and, I, and, and basically me and some, some, some of my partners basically say, hey, look, you know, streaming services, you, you should be thanking terrestrial radio stations in a lot of ways. And because here's why. When Flex and Hot 97 plays a new record or I play a new record out here, uh, or or uh, the leakers at night play mm-hmm. play a new record, and a consumer that's listening to rest to terrestrial radio hears it. They know that oh shit that was a new song. I'm probably not going to hear it again within the hour or two. <laughs> if I want to hear that motherfucker again within 24 hours, I got go to go. Spotify, I got to go to Apple Music, I got to go to this place. So really what we're doing as Terrestrial Radio DJs is is sending people over there saying, hey, look, if you haven't heard this song, here's a great song, and if you want to hear it more, you, you know where you can go and listen and to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because even if it was a song that was going to play two or three hours later in rotation, nobody wants to wait two or three hours sometime yeah. to hear this amazing song that they heard It's mm-hmm. a brand new song. So when it, when it was broken down that way, I think that some people we were talking to got it. And that was kind of breaking the barriers of like, look, don't worry about us. Like, don't look at us as a threat. You know what I'm saying? If anything, we should be looking at you guys as a threat. Right. But then the more I got into these conversations, and as you guys know, when you talk out loud and have a, a sit down and, and brainstorm or a forum, so to speak, you start realizing things. And I think one of the things that we realized was it, 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 it's tough to compare. The listener is separate. And this is where it kind of gets confusing, because uh-huh. I want to make sure that, I, that I'm not contradicting myself, or it seems like I am because I'm not. So there's, there's, there's digital users, and there's terrestrial radio users. We're probably different. DJs are probably the only. We listen We stream and we listen to terrestrial radio because we want to hear, you know, when we land in New York, we want to hear you know what certain DJs are doing, whether it's mm-hmm. enough or Camillo or Flex or Envy or Clue, whatever. And then we'll also go and check out Rap Caviar. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, is anybody in this room exempt from those things that I'm no, just talking not about? Not <laughs> no, no, no. So, But the only
0: thing is terrestrial radio is always through a vehicle. It's always through a, like a car or a ride or something. Correct. Because we don't obviously stream any radio on our iPhones. You right. Know, mm-hmm. or so, so that's yeah. where
1: I'm saying it gets tricky. So there's exceptions here and there. And how do you distinguish like, you know, my point is for the most part, if you're a digital consumer you're a digital consumer Mm -hmm. if you're a terrestrial radio consumer you're a terrestrial radio consumer and let me break it down like this if you get in your car every day and you're you're not flipping from terrestrial radio to i think i'm gonna go digital now or or you're not you know streaming and saying you know what fuck this streaming shit i want to turn it on power Mm -hmm. and listen to felly does that happen yes but i think it's it's, it's a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think at this point, people are, have already determined what they want or what they are. You know, there's, there's, there's the people who have, have gone to the streaming side. They're probably not going to come back too much to the terrestrial radio side. And the people who are terrestrial radio still... After all these years of streaming, For sure. are probably not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, "Oh, I discovered this new thing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Streaming, you're probably yeah. just a terrestrial radio type of consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that being said, that's why I try to tell both sides: we don't have to worry about one another. That's already happened. Where where it is is where it's pretty
0: much going to be. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to change too much. Well, it really depends on uh, like the person and uh, you know every city. You know, that's the right. people in every city have a routine and if there's been a, a radio well, tra- personality. Tra- traffic in LA is yeah. what makes LA and
1: will be uh, for some time um, relevant in the terrestrial radio right. scene. Yeah, that's
0: what so you And then the personalities on a radio show, you know, people grew up listening to that as a kid in their right. mom's car right. to the yeah. point where they buy their own car and it becomes part of their routine and it becomes like part of the like familiarity thing you it's, know what i
1: mean it's so funny that you say that last night when i go to events like the the, the basketball game the yeah. charity basketball game we did last night it uh there's you know there's a the, a very uh, wide spectrum of ages and so i would have you know somebody in their late 40s you know mm-hmm. come up to me and say felly fell i want to take a picture yeah. you know which is obviously flattering but it's actually more flattering when I have like a a, a, a ten year old. It's mm-hmm. like, oh man, fell he fell. Wow, yeah. um, <laughs> Seriously, you know, or or how about a teenager that's like, aren't you supposed okay. to be streaming music? You know what I mean? Yeah. But but the, the it's it's real flattering and it it, and it it's uh it, it's it's yeah, that never gets old to me to mm-hmm. see like a spectrum that big that knows who I am as a um as an air personality. And and some of it is uh, the music, you know, that I've released over the years for sure. But I do think that uh, that it's more so, in and in, in LA, it's more so. Yeah, it's you a know, personal radio. connection, yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Because even for me and Jamie, we grew up in LA, and even to, even when I fly in, if I take an AM flight. During the week, I have to turn the radio on and listen to a morning show. That's just the thing I always did going Mm -hmm. to school every day. Mm -hmm. Back when the Baker. Make sure you listen to Nick Powers,
0: one hundred (laughs) five (laughs) point nine, in the morning. Yeah. Do you Do you find that the new music is, uh, and and that's where my original question was going to be. Do you think the new music is breaking more uh, substantially on streaming versus radio, or do you think you guys are still setting the tone for breaking the new music? You know, I, I know it's, it goes hand in hand, it's like little, you said. It's a little bit of both, right? a little right? bit of both. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because here's the thing about stream. They, they can afford to, you know, put so many songs uh, up and, and, and go through them a lot quicker. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas radio has a very, uh, a lot shorter playlist for a longer period of time. Uh-huh. So, again, yeah. they got a longer playlist for a shorter period of time. We have a shorter playlist for a longer period of time. So...
0: Um, and don't you think also that radio is really has to be a little bit more local and have their ear to the streets a little bit more, the DJs on radio and really kind of bring in that local sound and really push it on the radio and, and really break the kind of like local artists and like local music? Because I don't know if Rap Caviar is going to be that centralized. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, if I, if I land in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I'm, that radio show should be totally different than, obviously, Miami and L.A. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think radio is important because those DJs really got to be the ear to the streets, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: So I've, been, I've, been, I've had this conversation for 20 years now, <laughs> um, and, and, and it's all good. So here's the thing. The listeners in your city determine what the radio stations play, Mm -hmm. and I've had this conversation with artists for many years, many different types of artists, um, many different times, sometimes the same artists, (laughs) you know, but here's the thing, The, um, the listener determines what we play as a radio station, and... Can we play something that the listeners, this is how I tell artists, yeah. can we tell, play something that our listeners aren't really interested in? Yes. But why would we when the, 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 the name, the, the game of radio is to play music that the, the majority of the listeners want to hear at any one given time so that they stay tuned in mm-hmm. to make it to the commercial break. That's where the money's being spent mm-hmm. on the advertising. And... Um, and it's a business. You know, it, it's, it really is, it's, it's, it is exactly that. So what I tell artists is like, especially now in today's age, if you want a radio station in your city to play your song, you want to hear it in rotation as much as you hear um, uh, uh, Migos and the and, uh, and Baby. Mm-hmm. then you, mm-hmm. have to, you have to go do the footwork that, that allows our listeners to discover you outside of terrestrial radio. And if 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 you think that you're going to get a record deal because your record was played on Power 106, you're you're probably wrong, uh, and that's been the case forever. You know, really? has there been records that I've played over the years that got somebody a record deal? Yes, um, that has definitely changed. And to get into more of your question, yeah, so. Do I believe radio is, is relevant for breaking artists? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do I feel like the streaming has, has tapped into that in a different way? Absolutely. Right. And, 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 and we, now we're getting into a conversation about, you know, social media and, you know, sometimes somebody that has a crazy social media following that might not be the most talented singer or rapper in the world, most time rappers. And all of a sudden, you know why is this kid selling streaming crazy number streaming numbers are crazy Well, it's because he's got a social media following mm-hmm. that for whatever reason maybe it's the way the kid looks, maybe it's the way she she looks mm-hmm. you know and 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 so all of a sudden those streaming numbers are there, but is that really a true gauge of you know offering somebody a record deal maybe maybe not um but here's what I will say when you get your people have asked me like do these younger artists really care like when they come up you know do they care about getting played on the radio Um, yeah (laughs) and and I can give you multiple examples Um, do
0: they really understand the importance of it I don't know I don't know the
1: answer to that um, but I do know this they it is a huge deal to them when they hear their radio uh, their song played on a radio station they can get in the car it's something about you know you're on a radio station Right. Uh, You're not. Whereas, here's what I think it is: when they, when, when they, when they hear their song on Spotify, Mm -hmm. they know that. Well, I'm hearing it because I just played it, Mm -hmm. or I'm hearing it because my buddy in the car just hit play, and we're the only ones hearing it at this time. You know, right right now, now. there's probably a shit ton of other people streaming it. Yeah, yeah. but we don't know how many at this given moment. We just know that it's us two listening to it in the car. Whereas with radio, they they have this. Oh man, it's on the radio, and there's a billion people in LA, and there's probably a billion people (laughs) listening to my song at this moment. So it's it's exciting, and so I do see that excitement still there for artists, young and
0: old, Mm -hmm. new and. Veterans. veterans i mean that's I, I i always think like with younger artists that are coming out they're kind of like you know like i don't know like the logic we may not get as many plays on a radio you know what i mean mm-hmm. but he still is a mega star like a it's, mac miller like, yeah and they might yeah. say like you know like they might out of you know just be like yo man we don't need radio but in the end they kind of want radio but i always think that the the more like seasoned veteran dudes, the OGs, they really understand the importance of radio and how to keep those relationships. With like radio, because well, that's that's there? where their career started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So even though some of these OGs that are still popping
1: and and that are that are streaming have huge streaming numbers, yeah. they um, the radio is where they started. So that was that was the initial, you know, and a lot of it uh, is probably would would depend on which artist you might be referring to, if if any at all. These artists have you know somewhat of a different type of of respect for the game and for certain people that are in the game right mm-hmm. excuse, excuse me and it 's not that they don 't understand streaming and the importance of streaming it 's just that some, some, some things I think are just you know this is what we how we started, and even though we have this avenue to turn to with streaming now we don 't want to forget about radio because that 's where we started, and in a lot of cases it 's also because it there's they know the relevance They they're uh, they're up on the importance of remaining relevant on terrestrial radio and keeping those relationships yeah um you know because because again we talked about how you know the relevance of radio radio radio's not going anywhere anytime soon mm-hmm. um I think the numbers have dipped mm-hmm, you know right. and and you know it's been more of a challenge for terrestrial radio um but I think that we've seen the biggest part of the dip. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I said, you're not going to, tomorrow, you know, did you hear, like, all these people that were terrestrial radio listeners
0: flip to streaming? Like, th- it, that's not going to change drastically. Right. I have a question. When you started, uh, when you signed <laughs> to Island Def Jam, so, so Def, and obviously your first single, Get in Here, and you actually have a production background before DJing, kind of, right? Right there. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm impressed. You knew that. Yeah, or we, rapping. We,
0: we had, you had a yeah, rapping yeah. career too, right? Uh, just, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it that. Uh, so rapper producer l- DJ. Just, uh, t- we, we were wondering if you could drop a hot sixteen. <laughs> right <Yeah. here>. Absol- <laughs> I, absolutely not. Darren's good with the beatbox. I, I t- I'll tell you something.
1: I will do this for you. This is, this is funny. I still first. Let me comment on that. I, to have to have a career, you had. I think you have to be making money off of it for it to be considered a career, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't uh-huh. know, maybe I'm wrong no, about maybe that maybe not definition. to some of the no. young people out there. Never made know. anybody off <laughs> rap. <rapping>. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an up and comer. <laughs> yeah. The new generation
0: so, got careers at like age 16, I know, 18. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: I started off a DJ. You know, messing up my mom's turntable. Put a paper towel on the turntable. Put a penny on the the head of the turn. Remember those? Yeah, uh yeah those uh, uh there was a it was a it was all in one it was two cassettes the fm dial and the turntable on top it was all one box yep that, had was, that, that was that was so yeah. my mom had one of those and uh and it had the volume was a slider it wasn't yeah. a knob yeah it was a slider mm-hmm. so of course i just naturally You know, oh, you made that like the fader. That was the fader. Oh wow, that was the fader. So what I did is, you know, you need the fader to pop all the way. Mm -hmm. So if the volume knob pops all the way, you're gonna blow the speakers. Right. So I would I would put something in between so that it it. was like a governor, like a stopper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think I even like would adjust the EQ to where if the volume's all the way up and the EQ's down, it's not too loud. You know, I just modified it and uh. That was, um, so I would, I would, I, I remember listening to, uh, it was Mixmaster Ice, UTFO. He had that. Yeah, he used to be, actually, he was one of the
3: best DJs back in
1: the days. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is I became, I'm not going to say friends with him, but it became to know him pretty oh, well. Yeah? And I've oh. expressed to him many times over the years. Yeah, he was uh, nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it became, the other example, I would, I would grab the and, and try to go on his, you know what I mean Uh and that's how I practiced put you know and then the same thing Jam Master Jay Mm -hmm. uh, rest in peace ended up becoming I I became pretty close with with Jay oh wow that was a tough one Um, uh, rest in peace and Jazzy Jeff Mm -hmm. Um, I would listen to so I learned how to transform from Jazzy remember live from a union square yeah yeah That was and I and I, I learned how to do that. By that by this time I had a realistic mixer. Okay. And I was I, like, you ain't doing that on the th- no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. No, But but yeah, no, the, with mom's turntable, it was just a yeah, and it probably didn't sound that clean. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they ended up getting the realistic mixer. Not the wood panel sides that Jazzy had, mm-hmm. but the one that had the little plastic transform button. It was so yeah, tiny. Yeah. The you The Gemini's, yeah. So <laughs> I, I drilled – I put a, a a wood screw into the plastic little transform button so I had more to hold on to. And, uh, and it built up a callus on my fingers. Right. Uh-huh. But, but that's where I started off. And then it got into um, – uh do, you know i got into doing house parties and this was growing up in atlanta and then i moved out here to la in the middle of high school to pomona got into the dj and stuff more because it, but out here for for you guys uh, in the group here that are from la you remember you know a lot of times on fridays they would let a, i don't know if we're, where you guys went to school but they'd let we'd had djs on fridays and you remember okay and, yeah. and and we would we'd be out in the square where the concession area was, yeah. Because out in Cali, like some of you guys are from New York, yeah. yeah. You, we would eat outside in, in the in the little uh, square in, in like a little, It was like it was like concession stands, yeah. And uh, we'd have a DJ out there in the quad, yeah. And and um, I remember watching the DJ, and I remember when I first moved to L.A. Uh, it was the first time that I saw a pair of Techniques twelve hundreds wow. in person. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I growing up in Atlanta, I would just see him. I would see him on some of the videos, like yeah. an EPMV, EPMD video or whatever mm-hmm. it was um, at the time, or, 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 or you know even a, a Fresh Prince video. But uh, so I saw him. I saw this this guy had. The, I was like, those are those turntables, yeah. and I would just yeah. sit there at lunch and and, and watch. <laughs> and uh, and then one day he was like, Yo, man, what's, I, I, somehow we started talking. And uh and and when uh, I at the time I had like two crates of records, you know what I'm saying? But which was like a lot. That's I was not, like, y'all no, really so for yeah. someone that don't have tons. For someone yeah. that i not yeah, yeah. And I, but I had two crates of records, and and uh and to me that was like, I, man, none of y'all got two crates of records, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but then I saw his his he had like seven crates of records. <laughs> oh, oh shit but he, he, he somehow we ended up talking and um and he let me he's like yo bring bring some of your records next week you know I'll let you get on I'm like wow. oh shit you know and, and the funny thing is and y'all know how it is nobody in the in the room could be paying attention to what you're doing DJ but you think all eyes are on you yep. yeah, so, yeah. I, so I got up to uh, Dj the next week he let me do a little like it was probably like 20 minutes. And I just remember being nervous as shit. One of them things where you've you got to hold your arm so that they don't see your hand shaking when you put the needle on the turntable. And, you know, hands shaking like a motherfucker. And, uh, and I did a little set. I think, it, I think I played, like, a dope man, N.W.A., Everlasting Bass, Rodney o and Joe Cooley. It's crazy I can wow. remember these songs. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, uh, I think I played it, uh, 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 Egyptian Lover, uh, Egypt and it was it, it was back and i'm uh, taking you back man right? i'm dating myself but uh but i did that set and i just after that point it was the first time i had actually not only dj'd on two turntables before that was one turntable actually i'm lying i i ended up getting a, a, my stepdad's turntable and found a way to hook my mom's big ass cassette turntable up with my <laughs> with my stepdad's turntable that had remember the turntables um that had the long spindle yeah, where you yeah, put yeah. the record at on you, it, it would to click it, the, the and, the, and, the drop and, yes. and the arm would swing and drop Yeah, I found I modified that shit because the record, <laughs> I'd have to do this thing to get the record to drop down. I was tired of doing that, yeah. so I modified <laughs> that turntable. The point uh-huh. of those was to play. It
0: played like ten records exactly. At once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you exactly.
1: It's the
0: original playlist. It was <laughs> yeah. the original iPod. Yeah, yeah, was right. the first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
5: So.
1: That yeah, so I modified these two two old turntables through a a, a, a realistic mixer, and uh, but anyway, when I got home that day, I remember thinking, that, "Damn, I DJed with the real turntables," and you know that was that I was if I I was already hooked, but that was it for me mm-hmm. uh, after that, and then.
0: And then well, you came to LA but then you went, went to like I went Dallas. To Dallas. Yeah. So when I
1: when I when I went to Dallas, that's uh I met a kid, he had this this big gray box with these black buttons on it. And I was like I've seen this in videos and it turns out it was SP-1200 drum machine and mm-hmm. and, and and this kid, he kind of came from a little money and he never used it. And I remember, you know, whenever I, we would go over to his house, we would uh I was always like, "Show me how to do that. Show me how to do this. Show me." And he was—he knew how to do it. He just wasn't very talented. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he—but he showed me how to run this SP12. His name was Will. Will uh, they called—he called himself SP Will. I think it's we mean. named him that because we were like, "That's Will." He has the SP. <laughs> <laughs> you SP became Will. SP Will. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we went. Let's go to SP Will's house. And, and it was one of those things where we seriously went over to his house. Just because of his SP, we did not like him. We didn't know <laughs> shit about him. It's terrible. Uh, uh, he wasn't a nice guy. He, he, was, he was kind of a cocky dude, anyway. So we didn't feel bad. But one day he was like, "Hey man, just man, I, we're moving to Colorado or something." He's like, "Just take it," and he let me have wow.
0: And that's, his, that was, well, wow, wow, man. That was it,
1: really he, nice. He, he <laughs> let me have the SP, nice. but he
3: didn't know what he had. You uh, know, he, he was spoiled. He was teaching. He like whatever. Yeah, just, and he. he so I was like. Thank you. And
1: bam, I'm out. Hey, good luck in Colorado, buddy. So,
3: so he just became Will.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. he left to go to Colorado. He became be back to Will. I was SPJ. Yeah. Yeah. My real name is Jay. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, took, I took it, and um, I already knew the basics, how to run it. And you know how it is. When you get something and you know the basics, and yeah. then you start figuring out all the, you know. And so now I'm DJing. I would take the SP to I mean, the house party. Yeah, for those who
0: don't know the SP twelve hundred, I mean, this is the classic sampler drum machine mm-hmm. that everyone used from Pete Rock, Marley Mall, right? Launch Professor. Launch Professor. Everyone yeah. classic hip hop hits were made on this fucking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you say Pete Rock is the oldest move? Yeah. Pete yeah. Rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and Yeah, so I, I, I kind of mastered that. The funny thing is the get Buck in here beat, even though obviously, you know, shortly after that actually, yeah. I, I started getting into producing even in the early 90s i was producing with um with uh, uh computers and, and and midi and mm-hmm. all that stuff but uh but but i'd never i i would still incorporate the sp because you could you could hit play on the logic or whatever and it would trigger your 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 uh the sample your module whatever right, you're right. using in this case the sp so i would still do like get buck in here that beat was all in on an sp right wow. and i sampled houdini friends drums the kick and snare, and I sampled. Uh, it was just eight oh eight, you know, eight oh eight cymbals and boom yeah. and stuff like that, that. I had had for years, so yeah, that that boom and those drum sounds you hear on Get Bucking here were probably sounds that I had on disc for fifteen years at that point, that's maybe twenty. Uh, but that's why I tell people like it's not. It's about how you can get creative. But uh, so yeah, I, I learn the turntables, learn the. Um, the SP started, started mm-hmm. doing house parties. By this time, I'm in Dallas, and the house parties blew up for us. We would rent out the, the big party room in the apartment complex, mm-hmm. yeah. and we would charge five <laughs> bucks, and we had a big, big jug of jungle juice, and for $5, you got in, and you could hear music and get fucked up.
0: I mean, what were you playing? Like, you came from L.A., then you went to Dallas. Was there, like... Was it the same music? It had to be different, yeah, so back, right?
1: Back in the day, Dallas and LA had a weird connection. If you remember, like the DOC was originally from from Dallas, West Dallas, yeah. yeah. Oh, West yeah. Dallas. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, uh, and then you had like two live crew that, that was like had the Florida thing, but yet Mister Mix was from from um, California, mm. which a lot of people don't know that. Uh, Dobbs, um, I ended up knowing going on to know Mister Mix which was one of one, another DJ that was really influential to me because growing up in Atlanta, you know, that the the 2 Live Crew stuff and the um MC Shoddy and Magic Mike and all that shit, like that was that was big. Mm-hmm. And then moving to LA, I found out, man, you know, up-tempo shit is is big out here, so you had, you know, you had The Egyptian Lovers, you know, of course you had the, the Africa Boba was universal, but you had um jj fad yeah jj mm-hmm. fad which mm-hmm. was which w- was just, which was really bass music yeah. you know mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people don't know dre produced that yeah yeah yeah, know. I know, yeah but uh and then, then world-class wrecking crew which right. was all up-tempo shit you know it was before the gangster sound that really did, that people like dre kind of um molded or uh, created so I was, you know, moving to Dallas. They—that's what they were listening to. It was kind of, you know, Dallas is a weird place where it's 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 south enough to be kind of Atlanta-ish, and it's west coast enough to be kind of LA-ish. So it kind of, in a weird way, was like really a perfect place for me to be. Now that I think about it, at, at that time. So uh, and 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 Dallas is also a lot like LA in the sense that uh, there's a there's a Latin, you know. Uh, Mexican American population that's similar yeah. to the to the uh, ratio that's here, and and, and, so, that, and that was just
0: like your first radio, right? It was, it yeah. was
1: the the house parties led to a buddy of mine. Or, uh, I didn't even know him that well. He just would come to our house parties. He was an older guy. His name was Carlos. I can't remember his last name, but one day he came up to me and he said, "Hey, would you ever?" Uh, I was like 19 years old at the time. And he said, "Would you ever, um, you know, want to DJ at a club?" And I'm like, uh, "I'm 19, <laughs> you yeah, know." Yeah. And he was like, "Look, I want to take you to this to the Spanish Club. <clears throat> it's a salsa merengue club. It's in it's in East Dallas. Uh, East Dallas, ironically enough, is." Equivalent to what East,
0: East LA, LA is. <laughs> and, and, uh oh, my cousin! So wait, well, East LA is like
1: Mex- all Mexicans. all Latino, it's like, Latino. It's little
2: Mexico, bro.
1: It's and so I was like, yeah, fuck it. I, you know, I, I don't really play Spanish music. And he explained to me, of course, that they want somebody who can set the tone with some English music. Is how he worded it. I'm <laughs> you know, like, well, I can play English music, motherfucker. Uh, if it's if hip hop, and he was like, yeah, they just want somebody that can play like 20 minutes of hip hop on the hour. Mm. Uh, mm. And I said, cool. Um, and hip hop for me back then meant hip hop as we know it. It also meant Latin freestyle. It also mm-hmm. meant house music. Mm-hmm. It also meant booty bass music, you know? Yeah. So that's what I was, I went in there and played, and the owner, Ismael Sanchez, it was his name, he, he said, Yeah, man, I want to hire this guy. So I, I got the job there and uh, immediately had to step my record game up. And I remember the first thing I, I said was, um, uh, "You guys don't. You guys have all these Spanish records up here. I have my own, you know, collection. But really, if I'm going to do this on a. You know, by, by the way, it was seventy five dollars a night, Thursday through Sunday. Whoa. I became the resident, um, <laughs> the resident English music guy." Uh, up there, playing so all the hip hop. You
0: were making three hundred dollars for the weekend,
1: but it, but it was for me back then. It was like, oh shit, yeah, I'm making three hundred dollars. That's not for bad the weekend. Man. It wasn't, <laughs> and we're talking out yeah. uh, So I um, immediately, you know, a light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, I can get records. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I, I they gave me a but they would give me a budget uh every. I think it was like every two weeks. Uh, I don't remember how much it was. They gave I,
0: you a, a record buying budget for, the, for the club. That's amazing. Because I explained to them
1: <laughs> that, yeah, I said, listen. I'm a little jealous <laughs> of no, that. Let me, you know? <laughs> let me tell you what, how I justified it. it to, I said, look, you guys are paying me, you know, I didn't want to say only $75 because yeah. I was so excited about that. It was like a whole lot of money to me. But I said, you listen, you guys are paying me, but I can't go spend half my check on records. You know, um, obviously the records will be yours. But but I need these records so that I can do the best job I can. I don't want you guys to have customers in here. They want to hear certain songs. And maybe there are songs that I don't like enough to buy in my own personal collection, but they want to hear them. And, and um, he said, oh, you know, they agreed. The manager of the club agreed and said, OK, you know, how much do you think would be? And I think it was like I, don't, I think it was like they would give me like 100 bucks every two weeks, mm. you know? And so I was able to now I'm like, OK, I'm about to buy these records. Um, and so fast forward a year later, found out that I uh, got a word from a friend of mine. Is like, yo, you might want to stop DJing there because they're about to raid the shit out of that club. And, you know, they're into some, some funky stuff. <clears throat> so uh, sure as hell, they did. And uh, did they you, did they, you uh, leave the records? Not, or you So check this out. So they, they um, no. <laughs> so, so what I well what I did is I took mine. I didn't want to you know take shit that wasn't mine. You know um, I, I'm a karma type of dude, and so I, I I took my my records and I said, hey, I'm not gonna make it next week. I need to go see my family in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and just kind of was like under the radar, dipped out of there. Sure as hell. A week later, my boy calls me. He's like, bro, they took the bartenders to jail. They took everybody. Wow. I'm like, oh, oh shit. Man, man. And so I I lay low <laughs> for a minute. Came back to Dallas a couple of weeks later, and um, one of the dudes who worked there, that they let him, they let some of the people go back and get personal belongings. And I said, "Damn, man, I should have took them records." He's like, "Who's your boy?"
0: Wow. He had cool. taken
1: all the hip hop records out of there, and it was like three or four crates worth of dance, hip hop, booty bass, a little bit of the old funk, you know. And I was like, "Bro." shit and, and
3: and and i said i know that was yeah. the best feeling got <laughs> records back <laughs> cuz the same thing kind of happened to me like this club I well, this um, I didn't lose my personal records i lost the records that i bought for the club but oh, there was personal. a lot of records in there that uh-huh. were kind of like in my mind like that's kind of mine yeah i like i like lost like two crates of records cuz the club i was working oh, at they i want to say they they burned it so they could get that insurance money and i had mm-hmm. left my crates at the club and I thought my shit was gone but two weeks later I saw one of the bartenders they was like yo man um, I got your records at my house oh, wow. and that shit was like that was like the best feeling man I <laughs> that's <was> like, like <laughs> a chick
1: you're in love with breaking up with you and then you, you think it's over for good and then two weeks later
3: she's like I'm so exactly, sorry exactly man you're like oh shit <laughs> and I'm to this guy at the spot I was DJing that. he was like yo man yo I got your records man and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> the difference is you keep those records from that point forever exactly that girl, you Never. just fuck her
1: one more time and you're like exactly I'm over yeah. your ass get out of here <laughs> I'm just being serious. Ladies. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was kind of the beginning of me realizing like, man, this, this is like, I knew at that point, you know, I think I already knew, but especially there I started realizing like, I can make money off this, mm-hmm. you know, by that time I was like 20 going on 21. Um, and, uh, that, oh, so I got back to Dallas, <laughs> uh, after that little staying away for a few weeks and, uh, to my surprise, these other clubs were asking, "Hey, would you want to DJ here?" Apparently, little did I know they didn't want to try to take me away from this particular club because yeah. they were scared that mm-hmm. what if this dude only that owns it gets mad at me for taking their DJ, whatever. Yeah. So when dude was gone, you know, they they said, "Hey, do you wanna, you wanna, um, you wanna come DJ at Escapade?" Was the name of the club, and it was the same kind of thing. It was a Latinish type club. I played more to English, and then that club led to a a a, a little bit bigger club. And in a bigger club, and before you know it, I was DJing at, you know, some of the biggest clubs in the city. Were were people thinking you were like Latino?
2: Because you're yeah, I, I you're I like, bro, I grew up listening to you and I thought you've been lying this whole time. You're you like Creole, Mexican. right? You're like half yeah, Creole? Well,
1: so on my mom's side, it's it's Creole, uh my mom's a mutt. So is my dad. My mom's Creole, Spanish, British. My dad is I wanna say Irish, uh I know my whole makeup because I did my DNA about two two years ago. I just haven't figured out which parent is has yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But, I, but dad is a, dad is a Irish British, and then a whole lot of like uh, Greek and Italian. It's mm-hmm. it's like I'm I'm basically the funny thing is I had nothing from this continent, which is crazy. Like everything was European. Right. So you know, it was. Uh, and Creole is you know, kind of more
0: French, right? Yeah. Well, you know, pe- yeah. people
1: look at Creole for the most part. It's it's French, Spanish, uh, French, Spanish, uh, 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 African American, mm-hmm. and so nice. there. There's about I think uh, there was like ten percent African American, but but I knew that you know, mm-hmm. being you know, knowing my my great grandmother and which was my mom's grandma. And um, so I you know I kind of knew these things but then when you do your DNA you get to see the real breakdown. But apparently that turns into that means that when I'm in certain parts of um, LA I'm Mexican, when I'm in the Glendale area of LA I'm Armenian. Yes. So that's <laughs> I have the same problem, bro. <laughs> no, same I can shit. see it. Yeah, I'm Armenian. I'm like, hey, what I'm are, you? are you? I'm like, what do you want me to be, baby? Like <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want me to be right now, I what not am You pass Street, you're Armenian? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Man. Oh man. When I first, because I live in that area, I live in Highland Park, Eagle Rock area on okay. the backside of Glendale. Yeah. And I remember when I first, I, I was living in Burbank, moved to Glendale, and I was pumping gas. And all my buddies were like, oh, man, you, you're moving over there with the Armos. And I was like, oh, man, I'm cool. I got a lot of Armenian friends. So I get, I'm pumping gas. At a, they're like, yeah, but it's a lot. You're going to be around a lot of Armenians. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You know, I, you know. So I'm pumping gas at this mobile station. And this dude comes up to me and he's like, rims." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, say what?" And he was like, rims." <laughs> and I was like, eh, "Bro, I don't, I, I, don't understand what you're saying." He goes, "You, you, you ain't Armenian?" And I was like, and he immediately went into an urban accent. He was like, it was crazy. He was like. You you're not Armenian and I was like, "Nah, bro." And he goes, "Oh, my bad, bro." He goes, "I was just saying those are some dope ass rims." <laughs>
5: and I was immediately
1: I was like, "Damn, it is different over here, I guess." But and then I realized, you know, at the more as years went on living in that Glendale area, like, man, I must really look Armenian. I would get in Ubers to this day and they'll speak Armenian to me. Yeah. And wow. it, and 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 I think a lot of it is also cuz where they're picking me up, they're right. like, "I'm picking him up in this area. He he looks like he could be Armenian." and so i'm gonna speak armenian to him or they'll ask me sometimes yeah you're armenian bro and i'm like man bro, if it's gonna get me a get me to this place faster than yes give <laughs> me to this club
0: so in, in dallas you got the opportunity to be on a radio right yeah so and the club uh,
1: thing i'll tell you how the radio yeah. thing so i was djing at the when I, I got to one of the bigger clubs in dallas they had a radio show they sponsored A Saturday night, uh, three-hour block from seven to ten, and it was a um, it was a a community radio station, but it was a fifty thousand watt FM station. So it was, you know, essentially uh, as powerful as some of the commercial stations. So it had a good frequency, and um, the host, his name was Alan Hammer. He would have me come up, and 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 uh, he had a DJ. Apparently something was going on with that guy and eventually he got me up there he said hey can you dj on the air with me from seven to ten and we take them from here we go to the club yeah and i was like well hell yeah you know i was already familiar with that station and i was a fan and um i started uh i would i would go up there and dj and <laughs> i learned real quick that he was late a lot and so i had to bring my uh my my turntables and just plug into the board and it was an old school board with knobs, like it wasn't pot. Not where you pot the faders up and down. Right, it was like right. knobs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, real fast, I w- you know had to learn how to start the show because he would call me like, "Yo, you already there?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Man, play a song," you know. And he's like, "You know, here's what you do." And he would tell me, and he's like, "Get so and so." He just finishes reggae hour, you know, or whatever the show was. I think it was I think it was a reggae show. And have have eddie show you how to you know reggae show in dallas huh well because it was a community station so it would okay. be an hour of reggae an hour of country music an hour of that classical music yeah. then it'd be a talk show mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. seven to ten was like all hip-hop you know mm-hmm. and so um i learned real quick how to run the boards and um there'd be times where he you know he would have me talk like hey you gotta well, do me a favor and shout these people out so i was On the turntables Where the fuck was this dude What was he doing Man (laughs) He was the Alan Hammer was crazy man I owe a lot to you Alan If you're hearing this man Thank you for being late man He was always hammered bro He he ended up driving a taxi But he he was a big reason Why I even got the job At that club But Mm -hmm. he uh, He he, uh, So so anyway Fast forward (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh that, oh that's how I developed some of the mic skills I already had mic skills in the sense that i thought I was, I was a rapper, but when we would go you know well, i didn't think i was a rapper i was a rapper mm-hmm. uh i was an m c and we when we would go do do these house parties I was just telling y'all we'd bring the s p twelve hundred and my boy Sean robinson uh was my 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 boy we had our little group when i would d j he would he would grab the mic when mm-hmm. he would he'd get on the tables i'd grab the mic and um uh, so I had my skills in that sense. But to be on the radio and, you know, you're you're so focused on DJing. Like, how the hell? I can't. Like, at the parties, I can kind of do this. But I can't talk, you know, and be on the air. Mm-hmm. Well, the hell, I couldn't. I had to. So I would literally find myself, like, the turntables were kind of far away from the board. So I had to find a way to run these turntables, hit the mic button, get the mic close enough to where the turntables <laughs> were on this old-ass, you know, <laughs> uh, boom, boom mic. Mm-hmm. so that that was kind of my introduction and then about a, about a year or so later i ended up getting my own show up there i think the club i don't remember exactly what happened but they, they let him go or something and i ended up doing i got a show up there myself mm-hmm. and um and so yeah i i that radio show came about on a community station um and it was all mixed show and then one day i got a call from um her name was Sammy Gonzalez, and she did a commercial radio station. I knew her as the midday girl on 100.3 Jams. Uh, there was a DJ on that station that I was a big fan of named i Be Bad. And i Bad. Like I'll Be Sure? Like I'll Be Sure. But, but I'll, I'll Be, be Bad. With, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why he, he <laughs> <laughs> took that name. That's probably where it came that's from. That's amazing. <laughs> but, but, but he was the <laughs> shit. And I dated a girl that that was sisters to a girl that was the midday girl whatever one day they took me up there they showed me the station it was a real radio station compared to the small community station that I was doing Uh, and they uh, this was actually years before actually I was doing the community station but I remember seeing his DJ room was like the size of this room and he had records all around it and a big window where you could see into the air personality room and um, I just remember thinking damn this shit this is where I want to be and uh and i was and i was like and it was after hours that i had gone up there to the station so he never even knew i had come in there i saw his setup it was it was the shit like to this day i've never seen a dj room at a radio station that w- compared to that it was amazing uh so fast forward i'm on this community station um get a call sammy gonzalez that worked for that station that Albie bad worked mm-hmm. for i get a call one day and she's like hey uh is, uh, is this DJ Felony? And I was like, yeah. She goes, this is Sammy Gonzalez. And I said, Sammy Gonzalez from 100.3 Jams? And she was like, well, I'm not there anymore. Um, I'm going to be programming a Tejano Spanish station, and I want to offer you a job. And I, of course, immediately was like, what the fuck? What? And <laughs> So uh, she's like, just trust me on this. Um, I know you know how to play and mix a lot of the Spanish music. Ended up taking a job reluctantly, and I told her, look, my Spanish is decent, but if you have me interview somebody, it's gonna be tough. And she was like, Do you, is your Spanish good enough to introduce the songs? And I said, yeah, I actually read Spanish better than, better than I can conversate in Spanish, if that makes sense. But my pronunciation is on you know is, is pretty much perfect and she was like that's all you need wow. and so i got that job doing the afternoon show on kick fm which was a, again at the hano station fast forward a year later she left the new program director came in there he was an asshole i didn't really want to be in there anymore i was you know the funny thing my ratings were were crazy uh and it turned out all the, that was during the selena days rest in peace selena she all of those selena fans a lot of them were like her they didn't speak spanish cuz uh, despite popular belief selena didn't speak spanish yeah. mm-hmm. she, she um, so a lot of the consumers were like her they didn't they didn't speak spanish so sammy was actually smart she knew that hiring some hiring dj felly fell or at the time dj felony would, would, would our, our younger listeners know who he is from the clubs and they relate to him and he's going to deliver these, these Selena songs and these you know Ramona Yala songs that, that they want to hear
0: and they were going to so be delivered you by You were like it. relating to the second generation. <laughs> yeah. he,
1: and uh, Unbeknownst yeah. to me at the time, I left, went back to doing the community station and one day got a call from a dude who was doing the evening show at the time Used to do the evening show at K one hundred four. His name was Nippy Jones. Nippy had a record pool. He had did radio, urban radio in Dallas for years, so he knew all the record labels. We all went to him to get our, you know, our urban records. Mm -hmm. So Nippy calls me. He knew me from going to his house. Literally, I go, I need this, this, this dollar, dollar, dollar. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Nippy calls me. He's like, Hey man, um, have you talked to Skip Cheatham or Ken Dow? And I'm like. I know who Skip Cheatham is. He's the program director at K one hundred four, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, he's looking for you. They want to offer you a job." Ended up going up there, getting a hold of them, meeting with them, and they wanted to offer me a job doing the night show, which the night show at K one hundred four at the time was ten p.m. to two a.m. Um, and I thought, "Oh, cool! I'm going to mix for four hours," you know, because that's what I did when I was doing the community station. And I had to find out real quick that they were like. No, we want to hire you as an air personality, and I was like, "Look, I'm not an air personality. I'm you know I'm a DJ, um, and and uh, you know I produce music and you know this and that." So they 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 ended up meeting me halfway, and they gave they let me mix at twenty for twenty minutes at the top of every hour. So when I got on at ten, I'd mix ten to ten twenty, eleven to eleven twenty, twelve to twelve twenty one to one twenty, and then eventually, I ended up moving to the six to ten spot did that greg street at the time was in dallas greg went to atlanta uh, i was doing that evening show with a guy named coco butter brown uh and Boy, rock his names are so great by the way man coco <laughs> butter man. brown uh, I'll, he, be uh, nippy. I'll be bad uh, <laughs> <be a> nippy <laughs> <laughs> nippy jones rock t uh and so and it was it was a good time in my life man it was a lot of i have a lot of memories and and then one day um i come out to la to shop my beats uh, took a week off came out here stayed in uh, I think it was um, the Hilton or something and in, in off Sunset and a buddy of mine that worked for Arista Records at the time he knew I was out here and he called me up and he's like yo he goes how long are you gonna be here I said pretty much the rest of the week he's like what are you doing tomorrow we're gonna play ball at DJ quick's house at the time quick was signed to Arista and he worked all the quicks records mm-hmm. and I said shit I'd love to man you know I'm a huge quick fan I met him one time in Dallas, found myself, a dude picks me up the next day, going to DJ Quick's crib to play ball, and he's like, hey, i got to stop at uh, Power 106 radio station to drop off some vinyl. And I was like, oh, cool. So we get there, and he's like, man, come up. So I come upstairs, and I'm standing in the hallway, and this little Filipino dude, he's in there talking to this little Filipino dude, and, and I'm like looking at him like, I know this guy. But I'm in the hallway. I don't interrupt. And he, they end up coming out. And uh, it ends up being a DJ E-Man. Mm. And he introduced himself. Man, I'm E-Man. We met at the Loud, music, loud Records Party in Miami a in, like, couple years ago in 98. And he's like, uh, he said, I was with Mind Motion from the Bay. And I was like, I remember you. You were the drunk Filipino with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> that's how I remembered him. And I was like, yeah man. Goes, yeah, man. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, I'm familiar with what you're doing in Dallas, which blew me the fuck away. Uh, and I said, "Oh shit!" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "You know, we're looking for a night guy." Well, that was wow. how I ended up getting one oh six. I man. went back to Dallas, and uh, about a month later, they they uh, we did the deal in L.A. and um, the been, been there ever years. since. Been <laughs> there ever since. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Crazy man. Crazy. Yeah. Being at the right place at the right time. A little bit of luck meets, you know,
0: preparation. Yeah, that was it. A little right. bit of luck. Right. Timing is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Straight up. And it, like uh, having been on a. Did, did you want to ask something? Or? Oh no, I was just
4: just venting in my my head that you've been there since what ninety eight. No, 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 two
1: thousand. Two thousand. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep.
4: Yeah, man. Because I mean, I literally grew up. <laughs> to power 106 in high school
1: yeah <laughs> well i'm literally still growing up so. <laughs> <laughs> i think at the time when i was on uh the
4: baker boys were still doing the morning show okay, okay.
1: yeah that it was, was like, that was a little bit before me okay but but i but the funny thing is i knew who and now i know uh nick and eric pretty well but that, that i was fans of theirs i yeah. knew of the baker boys that's how big they were because i knew of them living in dallas yeah. Because prior to that being in LA, they they didn't there was no Baker Boys at that when I was in high school in LA. Uh-huh. But when I moved to Dallas, you know, fast forward years later, they started their come up and I being a DJ and being in radio would hear about them out here. Yeah. And um so yeah, I came a little bit after them. When I started Power, Big Boy was doing mornings um and it was when, you know, they had the big uh the, the big billboard campaign with, Bill, with Big Boy in the bathtub with the rubber ducky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he
2: did a lot of those. He did the little like you only have to like the sheet over him. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, yeah. man. You the should. shower
1: cap. Yeah, he had the shower cap. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was actually an amazing campaign. Shout out to Diane, Jason, and some others that put that together. But so I came. You know, me and Big for the most part, we kind of came up around it. Big, Big was a little ahead of me, uh, turn in terms of um um, his radio, uh, uh, career at power. I think he, had, when I started power, Oh, I think big had been there for maybe five years. Yeah. Something like that. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but relatively speaking, we, him and I have a lot of parallels,
0: okay. you know, uh,
1: aside from roughly being the same age, you know, <laughs> both being Virgos. We have, we have some parallels, you know, for sure. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for Big. I I, I hated to see him go. Um, but, you know, him him leaving opened up a lot of opportunities in a weird way. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the cycle of
0: life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. with uh, You know, just kind of, that's how I compare it. So, with your time being on the radio and knowing that, you know, you were making beats, probably building tracks, you know. Uh, well, for Dallas doing, artists, yeah. Yeah, Dallas artists. Mm-hmm. And then when you got on Power obviously you know i kind of wanted to go uh fast forward to you signing with island uh def jam and um, so so def and then pushing that first record what was the process of that and having and knowing that you know getting buck in here and then getting that collective of uh you know like that lineup of diddy diddy little john Ludacris, akon and it was like did did you have the leverage of radio to kind of get artists to you know, to get on your songs and stuff, was was that a part of it? Kind of, oh, like for you, sure, yeah,
1: yeah. I, you're talking to the guy who has no problem saying, "Yeah, I would, Diddy would have never fucked with me, you know, if I wasn't on the radio. That is probably true. And in, in Diddy's defense, he he did. You know, he's not going to do anything. None of these artists. Let let me say this in my defense. Mm-hmm. Um, an artist isn't going to do anything with anybody that they don't. They're not feeling in some way, shape, or form. Right. Whether it means as, as a person, definitely as the music. Mm-hmm. Um, what it was for me is I had a platform. And, and the, 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 the ingredients were there for me. Um, and I'll use the example. You know, I'm looking at a kitchen. You can have all the, the ingredients to make an amazing meal. But if you don't know how to cook... It doesn't matter that you have that platform. Right. Mm-hmm. I had the platform and I just happened to be talented enough to cook up a pretty good meal that somebody like Diddy was like, oh, shit. Wait, this is Felly shit. And oh, I, yeah, I fuck with Feli, um, which we already had a relationship for years prior to because I was on power for seven years mm-hmm. before I even put out a record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it was um, it probably should have happened way before that.
4: I had a question in regards to what you're saying. So, as a DJ, you're breaking records, but then you became the artist. Right. So, you have mixer meetings. You have all these things that come into play with records getting played. And so, it's almost like you were shopping your own record. Like, how did that work? Mm -hmm. Like, what was that dynamic?
1: So, you know, I'll tell you. It's funny because I tell artists it's it, it, there's not too many djs um if any at all in radio that that could could that sat where I sat and this in the, and I'll tell you what I mean by that I've always told guys, hey man, you got to have that record you got to have that record if you have that record, it'll work for you you got to put in the work, but the record will work for you and you guys know as djs you it could be your cousin mm-hmm. it could be your brother but you know, if the record sucks, it's like, bro, I love you. We're gonna hang out with mom this weekend and have dinner, but I'm this shit is terrible. Yeah. You know, but when you have an amazing record, it allows for uh it just kinda works itself. And I think, you know, having get buck in here was an example of a record that um you know and I and it it took off it took off because it was a great record. Um did you expect it to be as big as it as it was? N- I don't think no, <laughs> nah, really, nah, man. If somebody would have told me when that record first started playing um, that uh, it was going to take me around the world, mm-hmm. uh, even to this day, I was uh, yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but somebody who saw that, I'll tell you, the, you know, the way that record came about, I was producing, you know, just producing beats, and you know, for years I've been saying, all right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, you know, I would look at people like Kid Capri and Flex, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I think at the time it was DJ Clue was really doing his thing mm-hmm. in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, and yeah. you know, I had strived. You know, even in the 90s, like I'm saying, Kid Capri and you know, somebody like Jam Master J. being a DJ, I knew what really went what went into Run DMC mm-hmm. um, yeah. and what went into the F- Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and it always yeah. went back to the DJ. Yeah. Uh, not always, but in a lot of cases. Um, so. So I always had this yearning as a DJ. I had a good year as a DJ. Um, I was you know, I was never this incredible, you know, um, battling battle DJ. Never, never had those kind of skills, but I was better than the average guy. Uh, you didn't want to scratch. I will out scratch your ass like a motherfucker. You know, and in some cases, you know, I was the guy that, like, oh shit, you could transform. And it was when D, it would be equivalent to crabbing today. Like, if you could crab, like, oh shit, like, I was the guy who could transform. And mm-hmm. if you were a great DJ back then, you might be able to scratch a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was versatile, so I had that going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew I always wanted, I would hear records and say, man, I want to do that. I, I know I can do that. I see how they put that together and um, a lot of those records came from you know listening to you know run dmc and just hearing the samples and how they were put together and yeah. then mm-hmm. and then uh you know growing getting moving a little forward jermaine dupree i was a huge jermaine dupree fan yeah. um and uh i you know ironically enough. He was who ended up signing me. Um and we were from the same vicinity of Atlanta, and that was a whole nother connection that came about with us meeting and but the record itself came about because I had a bunch of beats. Um I was in Vegas. Uh I knew Akon. I had helped break uh one of his records, and him and I just kind of hit it off and we had kept in contact um for for, you know, a couple of years and he says uh, he hit me. and said, "Hey, I'm gonna be in Vegas." I said, "You know, I'm gonna be." In, I, I told him I was gonna be in Vegas. He said, "I'm actually gonna be there that weekend." I was DJing a club, and he says, uh, "Come fuck with me." I got to be in the studio, so I came. Uh, he wanted me to play some beats, played a bunch of beats, and he just had the stone face <laughs> like, "Nope, nope, nope," and play another beat. Nope. And uh, he said, "Hey, man, you played a beat for me in L.A. a few months ago." And he, he said it was like an electronic sounded beat. And blah, blah, blah. I started thinking electronic sound. I said, I don't think I, I, don't, think I, I don't have too many beats like that. So I played. And dan, dan, dan. he was like, that's it. And it, it was just instrumental. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, that shit is crazy, fell. I'll never forget. And he, he went in the booth and laid that hook. Like yeah. literally that moment. So he came up with the hook. In Vegas. And from the time he heard the record until the time the hook was done, it wasn't even 45 minutes wow Damn. he started writing right then and there he started writing that hook and and he was he would turn it up and he you know mouth it uh, he wasn't behind the mic yet he was just in the in front of the console and uh to the point where i was like i told my boys are with me let's let's get out you know and so we left him alone went out got some food in the um lobby and um one of his guys came he's like yo con's looking for you and We come in there and he goes, You ready for this? And he tells the engineer, turn that shit up. And he, we better get buck in here. And I was just like, oh shit. This shit is crazy. (laughs) I owe so much to Akon. He 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 pinpointed the the record, Mm -hmm. the instrumental, and he did the hook. Like he was a real, uh, no pun intended, very instrumental. And but I had at that point I had um acon on the hook. Got back to D- uh, L.A., and I was like, you know, um, I, I, I think I had just hung out with Diddy not too long before that. He invited me. Um, <laughs> that's another crazy story. But it, it was actually he invited me to this house in Beverly Hills. It ended up being Naomi Campbell's house. And I was there all night hanging out with him with the owner of Ralph's. Grocery store, mm-hmm. some other it's like older white <laughs> dude. It's like the weirdest combination of people. Some light-skinned black woman answered the door with an English accent. Mm-hmm. I hung out with them all night. My girl came with me. Diddy and I, we just sat. We were having a conversation with some other, like I said, gentlemen. I didn't know who the fuck they were. It was a weird crowd. Mm-hmm. And left. And my, I tell my girl we're driving, driving back to Burbank from Beverly Hills. I was like, that's crazy. We were hanging out with Diddy, with the owner of Ralph's, and so-and-so. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Naomi Campbell's house, and I was like, What? She goes, You didn't know that was Naomi Campbell that let us in the fucking house. But I had just had that experience with Diddy, and now I got this record, so he was on my mind. So I was yeah. like, You know what? Diddy would kill this. It's been a minute. It was a, I, as a DJ, and I think all of us um, in this room probably possess this, you kind of know. When it's like, man, I'd love to hear somebody on this, or this person's mm-hmm. been gone yeah. for just enough time, but they're not irrelevant. Well, that was where Diddy was at in his career, and I remember thinking, I want to put people on this record that's different. The combination I wanted to be, you know, you want it, you want some fire mm-hmm. features, yeah. but that aren't typical. Like, oh, I've heard that's been there. So I, I hit him up and say, Hey, I got this record, and he says, Send it to me. I'm in New York. Um, sent it to me, I sent it to him, and he hits me back. He's like, "Oh, this shit's crazy," and I said, dog, if you like it, man, just hit that verse." And he was at Daddy's Daddy's house. I think it was um, mm-hmm. the studio. Yeah. yeah. Um. And um. And two days later, uh, I get three verses. Wow. There's a third verse that, you know, I have that never used. Um. And I remember being uncomfortable, like, "Oh shit! Like, how do I tell Diddy <laughs> that?" I don't I'm not gonna. I don't need three because I already had this plan in my head of like I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna try to get Luda, you know. And so I told him I said, "Hey man, this shit is crazy," um, but I really just need one verse. Yeah. And he's like, "Use whatever the fuck you want," mm-hmm. you know. And he he didn't he wasn't tripping at all, and you know he was you know. Um, Anyway, so I, I picked what I thought were the two best verses. I I, I picked what I thought was the best verse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then realized later, you know, I could actually use two verses. Luda sent it to him. Same thing. At this point, he heard, he heard Acon's hook and um, and one diddy verse. He laid his verse, and then at that point, I said, you know, I got, I could actually use it. There's other verse. I decided it'd be dope to have Diddy on two verses and use another verse. So I had Get Buck done, you know, 105 BPM. And when I was in, I was in a studio in Hollywood, uh, and I was vibing to the record, kind of, kind of borderline getting into mixing it. You this, know. this is the part I want to hear about. I know. So, yeah, this, yeah is this, is the, this is the this yeah.
0: is the interesting. Like I want to know because that was one of the few records that I was like, damn, like he really. Did a second part and slowed it. It was like really genius. It was like some crazy shit. I can't. You know? I
1: would thank you for that, but I got it from somebody else. So <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, there was a... I'm sitting in the studio and I'm like, man... I want to do something different. And as a DJ, I used to love transition records, and there's very few of them out there that mm-hmm. naturally yeah. transition. Mm-hmm. But as DJs, we hear those and they're gems, you know. And one of them back in the day was a house record called um, French Kiss by, say that, yeah. by Lil Louie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, were, you know, they, the, this record goes from like 122 then to then like it breaks down with an orgasm. Yeah. Slows exactly, down. Yeah. like a good five, yeah. three or four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so. I remember thinking, like, man, I always wanted to do something like that, and so I was like, "Fuck it, let's experiment." So we slow the record down. I tell the engineer, I said, "Listen, how I got to figure out how to do this to where you know it's got bite to it, like meaning it 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 doesn't so gradually go into it to where it's soft, but it doesn't just immediately change tempos. I got to find that soft spot, and you got to remember this was before." Now, you know, all the DJs who were doing the DJ City edits and the different yeah. DJ edits at different places. Yeah, you had, Apleton, places, you had all that, Yeah, yeah they, you, now it's any, you just push a button, bam, it happens. But yeah. back then, it was still, uh, there, there was still unknown areas of how to do it really good. Uh, anyway, got it to the point where I'm like, yeah, I like that timing. Uh, it's not too long of a gap, you know. Um, so now I have this completed record. With a 40 second instrumental at the end mm-hmm. at 88 BPM. Mm-hmm. And I just said, fucking little John. Mm-hmm. And John had just moved here. I had known John uh, for years, uh, before I even moved to LA. Mm-hmm. And um, he had just moved out to, to LA. I called him, and he was right up the hill at his, uh, at his place in Hollywood Hills. He used to live by, by the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, hey man, I got this song. Um, I said, I, I think you killed this shit. He's like, man, come over, man. We're in a hot tub, baby. We get fucked up. So yeah. I come over there and mm-hmm. um, playing a record, and he had his engineer turn on the fucking studio mm-hmm. and got in there and fucking did his part. <laughs> and I was just like, this shit is crazy. Okay. I was so fucking excited, man. You know, because I think at that point, that's when I knew, like, I, I this is this is I got something that's special. Um, but i didn't know at that point what to do with it i didn't know how to approach the radio station you know it was awkward and you know you don't know if there's you know how to are people gonna think you're cocky and who do you think you are and you yeah, know yeah. people are gonna be jealous mm-hmm. so i was kind of very timid about it and um i think i you know i just let them hear the record and they they were like yo this shit is dope and mm-hmm. you know uh jermaine we started playing the record uh, very gradually jermaine was i think at the time dating um janet yeah and jermaine jermaine and i as well knew each other had a relationship Mm -hmm. and um jermaine gets a hold of me he says yo oh no i'm sorry he was at the station he was at the station he he they had scheduled me to do an interview with him um, and he comes up to do my night show (laughs) and 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 i'm i'm like you know even though we knew each other and we were becoming friends, I'm, I was such a fan. And even to this day, you know, here it is years later. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of JD for multiple reasons, yeah. obviously. But mm-hmm. he uh, he comes up. We're talking. You know, we're playing records. I think um, he even DJed because, you know, even back then he was getting – You know, he's always been a DJ. Mm-hmm. And uh, he played Get Buck. He wanted to play it. He's like, yo, yet yeah, that record? That shit is crazy. Yeah. You know, and he ends up playing it on the air. And when we finished up the show, he came to me and said, Hey, man. He goes, What do you, what do you, what the fuck, man? Like that record, what are you gonna do? Let's do some shit. He goes, I just signed this deal with LA Reed at Def Jam. And I was like, Wow. I mean, well, what, what do you think we could do? And he goes, You'll be my first fucking signing.
3: And I was. Um, and so you had no, you was on the label when you did the record. I was not. I was not. It was it was that early. Oh wow! So
0: that that song got you a deal. That song got me a deal. Wow. That song got me a deal.
1: JD gave me. JD changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know he, you know will forever be somebody that, um, you know shit. When I tell you he changed my life, like literally. Um, So, you know we did we did the deal. you know, I found myself with a dream record deal as a DJ because I was a huge. Obviously, we all were growing up with Beastie Boys and um, and L O Cool J. And Run DMC. And mm-hmm. Man, I, you know, Def Jam was just that was just the the, the 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 if you wanted to be signed with a label to a label yeah, at that time, that was the, the shit. Yeah, hip history, a, well, especially yo, as yeah. a DJ. Mm-hmm. And so, and then to be attached to this with the So So Def thing, I was a, a huge So So Def fan. Um, especially coming f- originally from Atlanta and just knowing the whole story behind So So mm-hmm. and it was just you know it was very surreal for me. Um, yeah, and that and the record, the record kind of just kind of did. I went on a promo tour. I definitely went on a promo tour, and you know I would go to the radio stations. They'd be like, hey, you know, the, the label would tell me the Def Jam uh, reps shout to Noah Shear and. Uh, And the homies they would tell me like hey when you go to so-and-so city when we go there they want you to do the five o'clock traffic jam because they already knew what i was doing a lot of these radio people knew what i was doing in la and i had already had some success as a dj Mm -hmm. just away from the music stuff you know Mm -hmm. i'd already had seven years of success at that point on the radio so they were like oh man fell he's coming to san antonio or he's coming to you know kentucky or atlanta where it was and i would do i would do like a little 30 or 45 minute set Mm -hmm. in the afternoons um which which really helped me build relationships with those stations getting back into some of the other questions leading into that um and uh but know? the record worked yeah. itself for the most part. You know, yeah. I, it wasn't one of these things where people think that, oh, uh, some people may think Felly had an had a upper hand because he was in radio, which if you know anything, it's actually the opposite because there was a lot of people that were like, you know, you know you, oh, Feli from L.A., cocky, thinks this and that, you know, and, you know, you think you're going to leave, you know, there's a good chance you're going to leave the market from that promo tour and they're never mm-hmm. going to play
0: your record again. Mm-hmm. Um but that record did well on the East Coast. It did well like in Miami. It did across the country. It did really well, it, no? Yeah. It ended up going double platinum. <laughs>
1: wow. So, you know, uh it it did it did well and I think it um Tying everything back into what I was saying about the artist, like I went through that experience. I was on that other side of the fence, and right, I remember right. getting back home after I did that first promo tour went on many other promo tours after that with other records I had uh, but but I remember getting back from that particular promo tour, the first one, and thinking, man, I got to be you know I got to to see how these artists feel dealing with radio people and, uh, and, it, and it made me um, it made it it it, it kind of put things in perspective for me um and i you know i think <laughs> i never looked I, I i was very careful how i i think i always was careful but i was even more cognizant of how i treated artists and mm. made sure the station even knew like don't do this don't do this when they come up you got to make sure you do this and don't do that right. and cuz mm. i know how i i was made to feel mm-hmm. and um you know so yeah uh, but ultimately you have to have a big, you have to have a record mm-hmm, because, yeah. you, you know, you have to have a record, um, you know, and then people will, will ask me about the Khaled, you know, uh, you and Khaled, you know, y'all, you know, because at the time, me and him were, were the only ones doing it, yeah. and, and then it really just became Khaled because, and people have asked me, like, why'd you stop? You know, you did a couple other, you know, venture deals and stuff after that, but, and the, and the thing is, Khaled is a very special person, in the sense that he I, I didn't have it in me <laughs> to bug and be that guy, and this is actually a compliment to him. Um, you know, and he used to bug the shit out of me, and there was a part of me that was upset because I didn't feel like he showed me the same love. Uh, that I would show him in L.A., he wouldn't show me that same love, right. you know, in Miami because he was on the air at that time, mm-hmm. and, it, and it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, you know, and I and I at one point expressed that to him, but I never stopped showing him love, uh, and and even some of my, my my boys would say, "Man, fuck that guy, why are you still support him?" And I would tell him "Look, man, you know, if he the better that he does." the better it is for me because the more hits he has on the radio it's just going to pave that way for 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 somebody like me uh, and vice versa Mm -hmm. and um, you know Khaled and I were were talking. if you look at the get bug video Khaled's in the video Um, I shot Diddy's part in uh, we went to Miami it was that time of year, and Diddy was at his Miami house, and we <laughs> shot it, and Khaled, I was like the first person, one of the first people I called was him. I was like, hey, man, get in the video. And, um, and so we had that relationship, and we still have a great relationship to this day, but to clear a lot of things up with that, um, I'm very happy for him. I didn't have what it took, in hindsight, to... Um, promote myself the way he did. He was, you know, um, I'm a producer and a DJ first and a, uh, uh, a social media slash branding person second. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Khaled, um, and it's not to knock his ear or his producer skills, but, um, you know, he's better at hearing a record and saying, oh, that's, that's dope and he's he's obviously better at me than um branding himself. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also I, I you you realize where your comfort zone is. There were certain things that I realized that uh, I don't know if you know be careful what you sign up for mm-hmm. type of thing um that you know, you know you you I think I realized, you know, and I'm also the type of person that once I accomplish something um It gets boring to me a little bit i i had experienced all the 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 different facets of the music industry uh, in my eyes the a and r side the the producer side the dj side the the radio mixer side the radio personality side Mm -hmm. um I, i i learned what it was to tour and have to promote yourself i learned you know the traveling what entailed traveling on an international scale uh, while doing a radio show, you know that was, and it just, I, I think I I got my fill, you know. Yeah. But 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 it's funny because I, I didn't, uh-huh. you know. Uh, and hence the fact John and I were talking today, little John, and, you know, we were talking about how you know getting features on records because he's he's working on some new projects. He's like, man, and I told him I said, listen, that was another thing. It it, it became. You know, I'm I I had to just bug people, bug people. Yo, yo, did you cut the verse? Did you cut the verse? Did you cut the verse? And I'm the type of person that's like, man, look, if you don't wanna if you don't wanna fucking do this shit, I'm not gonna beg you to do it. Right. And yeah. and that's another where a lot of people would say, Yeah, Khaled, man, fuck that dude. But but what I say is, nah, that's that's who he was. And he was mm-hmm. able to do those things. I didn't have it in me. And John John was um we were. T- I was telling him. I said, "Listen, don't feel bad because he's working on new stuff, and right. that's a struggle for him." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Man, don't feel bad." Mustard. Um, it took him almost a year to complete Pure Water. Mm. You know, and John was blown away by that. But I was like, "Yeah, I mean, if nobody's gonna get in the studio and cut a verse for Mustard, you know, if it's tough for him, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah." <laughs> so, but but that all being said. Um, you know, that's why you've seen me like I had that run and then I'd only come out with a record every year for seven no, years. But I think
0: <laughs> that's really consistent because we were, you know, we were doing research mm. and from 07 to literally like, make me feel good because I don't feel like I was saying like on a consistent level, like from 07 to 2016, you came out with a record every year. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like, obviously, you had a great follow up. From Get Buck in here, Finer Things, right? That was Kanye, Jermaine Dupree, Fabulous, and Neo. Amazing song. Amazing song. And then but every year. After, yeah. After that, every year, you know, followed up with Feel it with T-Pain, Sean Paul, Flow Rider Pitbull, and it goes on and on. In 2011, you had Akon, JD, and Pitbull. And it kept going and every year, no matter what, you kept pushing and you came out with a record every year. But seeing that, you know, on paper and listed like somewhat st- strategically, like every at least I'm gonna put out a record every year, and I'm gonna put and I'm gonna and, yeah I'm gonna <laughs> it push it out. Definitely wasn't strategically,
1: but no, nah. yeah, yeah. it seemed strategic. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was. Thank you. Yeah, um, but uh, I mean, maybe subconsciously there was some strategy to it. I think it was more. Uh, but there's a
0: diligence there to me that I, I'm gonna put out a record at least every. You know, <clears throat> here's what it, here's out. what it was. Excuse
1: me. It was um, quality over quantity for me and mixed with I don't have it in me to bug everybody on a consistent basis to do an album every two years. Mm. That's why I look at Cal and I'm like, damn, this dude came out with an album you know, every other year at least. And, and look at all the features on each, each album. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, but I will tell you this. I have a lot of features that I never used. Rick Ross. Um, wow. um, Future. Uh, you know, Juicy J. I mean, I have a lot of stuff in the vault that uh, <clears throat> it's probably a little too old now for me to use it. I mean, I don't think so. so, no, so, I, so yeah, man. I would yeah. use it. I don't think <laughs> yeah, so, man. so, man. But well, here's why I say that: for, for f, 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 even if it was something that I felt comfortable, like yo, this shit still sounds hot. Excuse me. I don't know if Future would agree, mm, or yeah. Rick Ross may be like, uh, yeah, I don't want to use that shit. And then I got to go through. Well, I got to get you on something new all over again which don't get me wrong i i if i you know and i, I i'm hearing myself talk uh, i was going to say if i wanted to i am doing that and mm-hmm. i'm in the process of working on new stuff i i, I will never come out with an album um uh, i thought at one point yeah. that, that i was and i think that's why it was kind of disappointing for me to only come out with like a song a year because i had this you know again looking at kid capri and clue and you know, the whole movement with, you know, that he had with Rockefeller and coming out with a whole DJ Clue album, like, that's what I wanted to do, but I had to realize, like, that just, I'm not
0: that person, you know, it wasn't for me, it was, it was, it was a different time, too, though, I mean, a little different time, you know what I mean, like, I think, you know, when you were dropping records, it was definitely, it was a shift where the music industry wasn't, It wasn't really they weren't in a good position anyway. Mm. The fact that you did double plat you went double platinum with your buck in here (laughs) during two thousand and seven is kind of crazy. Like you know, it wasn't the best time. Like the music industry was not fucking healthy. It wasn't doing well, you know? It's declining a little bit. And I think now with like you said, where the music industry is back, they finally found a way to make money. I think you have these features Well, it fits my, it actually
1: fits my, um, you know, the whole, like, you know, coming out with a record here and there, as opposed to thinking that you can come out with an album, because even the Kanye's and the Jesuses of the world have a problem when it comes to coming out with a full album. Um, and you you have so many dope new
0: artists in la right
1: now Mm, i do yeah we do and and i say i do because i'm thinking of some of the ones i'm gonna be reaching out to but yeah yeah you know and it and it's um and i and i still try to wrap my brain around um you know the the fact that there's just so many artists you know back in the day i had you know i thought you know having a um 50 artists to choose from like what feature do i want to use and if they even want to do it you know now there's way more artists um, and it's interesting because as I'm reaching out to people right now to say, hey, would you be interested in doing a song yeah. uh, you know whether it's somebody like a you know um, a young pinch or uh, you know maybe it's somebody that, that I've done something with before, like you know, like like Rick Ross. Now we never came out with a song, but we worked on a couple things. Yeah. I remember he he actually did a freestyle over "Get Buckin' Here," which is a trip, mm-hmm. and uh and I used to play that. Um, and I don't know how, I think he did that on his own. Like he he did some freestyle over the uh, over the instrumental, and then later on, um, you know, I sent him some stuff, and he you know he jumped on it, but I never never made it into a song. But, but anyway, existing artists that I've worked with in the past mixed with um newer acts newer acts yeah, yeah. is where I'm kind of going with it and I don't mean artists you know I don't know that I would go back you know past you know there there's there's I'm working with with uh, on this project to do an art to do stuff with with artists that that were that 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 I worked with back then but but the younger generation still knows now mm-hmm. like a Kanye um or um or or a T Pain like I'll still put T Pain on a hook and have a hit record. Yeah, yes. he, he just doesn't know it because yeah. uh, he, he's he's his own worst enemy to be honest with you. And you know he, he he's the guy that thought that up down was a, the worst song on his album. Really, and I, I told him I said Are you fucking kidding me. It's not only the you know. It might be the only hit you have on this album, which ended up kind of being what happened. But yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He hated that fucking song. Is
0: he over over critical, overly critical of himself? What? Yeah,
1: he's the epitome of you know. If you look up critical in the dictionary, T Pain wow. might be in his dreads crying
3: next to. It.
2: <laughs> I actually like his song that came out not long ago called. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, the, the big
1: timers remake. Yeah, the roll on. Yeah, yeah, get your roll on. Yeah, it was good. It was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was cool. But you know, I think the the last big song he had might have been the up down. Yeah, up down. But that he's that so song talented, was, yeah. man. He, he what? It, I think what Payne does a lot of times he
0: over he might overthink stuff. Um, but he was killing everyone's remix. He was like, yeah, well, he well, did an LMA. That. Yeah, I he did an LMA one. remix, and then he went. He was on the Kodak Black Rolling Peace remix. He destroyed that. Mm-hmm that was that and he was on fire was a Funny thing, thing. Pain um, could
1: do if Payne would let me just take him and A&R his project and just all I need you to do is shut the fuck up and do what i tell you to do i would do a hit album for him tomorrow with yeah, the, the features that, the and the booty the, the booty remixes <laughs> <rim>, the booty remixes is shit yeah, vim, yeah. 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 So now what's he's, up
0: man why can't why can't that happen
1: it probably can you know i just i don't want to oh, hear his hard let's get it let's get it happen pain's a hard head man Payne's a hard head but I, but I, but I would do a record with him. I mean, if he heard this podcast and said, "Hey, man, I heard you did that. Fuck it, let's do it." Yeah. I would do it. But I mean, I, I believe in a lot of things happen happening organically, and you know, if I run into somebody and it feels right, you know, that type of shit, and that's that's a lot of what happened with a lot of these records, even the Pitbull stuff um, and the you know the Wiz stuff. Um, Wiz and I being Virgos and. Doing birthdays together and stuff like that, um, and uh, you know, uh, Ty on Ty, Ty, there's a funny story with Ty. Ty, one day I was doing a club with Wiz. I booked him to do a club. Um, it was a, a club over here in East LA, Montebello area, and Q-C's. Uh, uh, it was uh, uh, a yeah, yeah, QC's. Yeah, QC's. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and it was it was back in the day, and. Uh, Ty Hi hit me, and he's like, "Yo, you're going to you're going to um, do the show with Wiz tonight." And I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "Can I roll with you?" And I was like, "Yeah," you know. And, and this is before Ty was Ty, and um, and he and I said, "Yeah, man, come on." So he rolls with me and my boy Juan and some of our other guys, and and I introduced him to Wiz, and ultimately that became Ty's uh, signing. That's how him wow. and, him and Wiz met. And, um, you know, I got a lot of stories like that, man, and it blows me away, like, thinking about... It. There's times where my guys have to come up to me and say, hey, man, do you realize that this motherfucker, the reason that happened... And I don't... You know, that... I don't... I'm terrible on social media because I live in the moment and I don't try to record the moment. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you can mess up the moment, I think, by by being so worried about, you know, recording it. And it's a terrible thing for me. It's, it's you know... It really is terrible um, because it it doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, is the opposite. You know, it it's hurt. so
0: funny when you're speaking about all of these like stories and all your experience. It reminds me of like Cipher sounds. Cipher and me are parallel. And yeah, yeah. That's, that, me and him are even even distant were, brothers. Even what you were saying with Khaled, you know what I mean? Just like Cipher would say, "Yo, he has amnesia, right?" That was his yeah, term. Yeah, that exactly. yeah, motherfucker has amnesia. I <laughs> call it the amnesia syndrome. Like. You know he just forgets he forgets a motherfucker. Like he forgot every, you know i, like, I remember yeah. the go off and i remember <laughs> seeing it going
1: yes <laughs> yes but but i also remember thinking you know though, no, look here's the deal he was he, he was right about everything he was saying because i felt the exact same way about khaled at that moment
0: you're talking about when uh cypher kind of uh, sat
1: down with ebro and yeah 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 and yeah. pete
0: um, and they confronted like literally khaled on like yo man you be yeah, Forgetting motherfuckers and you. Know, I think you know, Rick
1: Ross was there, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he
2: yeah. was. And yeah once too.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. And then yeah. Cali was That's like, it. Lies.
3: Lies. Yeah, you're you're, liar. you're, you're <laughs> a liar. You're a liar. Cypher sounds you're <laughs> a liar.
1: <laughs> so I, I heard that, you know, obviously, and I was just like watching it going, Shame. Somebody's saying exactly, Cypher's saying exactly what I feel and I know. But um I had to catch myself and say, Look, you know, and, and by the way, that came nothing from any kind of hate or jealousy at all mm-hmm. from Saifa. because excuse me, I felt the same way, and there there's not a um a hateful jealous bone in my body um, when, especially when it came to Khaled. it was just literally being beat up by somebody and not getting anything back you know you 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 know and it, that's what it was and and there was some there was you know the bigger he became um it, it's a weird effect that has on people. The bigger he became, the less people wanted to speak up and, and, and say something to right, him. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, so, and for me, it wasn't so much that I want to speak up and say something. It was more of like, look, you know, you know, you're not just the way so you could be handling this a different way with certain people. Um, But I'm gonna give you this pass because you're one of us. You're a DJ. Well, isn't isn't that the thing? And I want you to keep going because I want you to get. You know, yeah. I want you to get as big as you can be. I don't mind being second.
0: You know what I'm saying? But isn't that the thing that DJs? No matter what, no matter like, you know, it's like if you meet like a DJ homie, it's kind of like there's a mutual respect, and it's like yo, hang out in the booth. You want to drink even if you're not that tight yeah there's kind yeah. of a mutual like you're in the same industry mm-hmm. and you have that kind of respect where you kind of show out and you show that respect and there's like kind of a bonding just because we're like yo we're DJs. doing the same thing yeah, yeah we're doing the same thing and i think mm-hmm. it's just kind of yeah, like yeah but i want you, you know. to think about this yes yeah, yeah. yes
1: and no have you ever known that that uh you know you, you go and hang out with one of your boys he's dj maybe it's in vegas yeah and and you know that he didn't want you to get too close to his booth we've all had that experience yeah <laughs> we've all had in, that experience. In, in what way like well because okay so 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 i've known djs right right to to uh if they if they have a residency and 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 normally what the club will do is say you know look you know they're they're they're, they're okay and they trust you as their resident DJ to where if you're that you're gonna get the person that's gonna fill in for you when you have to go to that wedding in Long Island, right? right. right? Uh, and, and and what I've seen a lot of DJs do, and I think this is super super duper whack, is <clears throat> they'll put some whack ass dude in their place so that when they're gone, they yeah. feel like the 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 owners and the management and and you know and the
3: promoters are gonna respect. Oh, thank God you're back. They they're looking out for themselves. They, looking out for themselves. They know their job is gonna be safe when they come back. Correct. They right. got somebody that they know they better. But than. here, but here's my thing. Your job is gonna be safe if you're if you're
1: if, first of all if you have that kind of great relationship that you should have been building with that that company.
3: You should have nothing to worry. Yeah, there's
1: nothing to worry about. And and mm-hmm. this guy that you put on that's such a great DJ is only going to go on to help you do things because this isn't the end-all, be-all at this club and this residency. Mm-hmm. And most, you know, the sad part about it is, um, you know, like, my, my DJ career has... Um, it's, it's, it's been tough at times because people think, like, oh, man, doesn't everybody want to book you? And it's like, yes and no. Um, I think a lot of DJs... You know, because I had big records and because I had certain success, um, might want to, you know, might not want to see me there at that establishment. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, but which which it's funny how that worked out, because I got to the point where it was like, look, you know, doing two clubs a week is fine with me. Uh, but it was again, it was quality over quantity. Right. right. Um, I'd it. rather do, you know two clubs a week for this much money than to do four or five clubs for this much. That's just me though. Right. right. Um, and, 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 you know, again, that was also, but you know, you gotta, I, I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also a side of you that's like, you know, um, I don't need that, you know, anymore as much, um, because you know, I make money doing, doing other things, whether it's producing music for a soundtrack or, or, um, the money that I make, you know, in radio, or the money that I make, you know, hosting a private party or DJing a private party—things that you know you'd never really hear about—but that make you more money. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I got. But isn't that
0: a better like you know, f- for someone like you who's like on the radio, a personality, and uh, you have like you know a large list of like of of contacts and relationships that you have? It's it's a better look for you to not grind in nightclubs and to do, like, corporate events, a special event, celebrity events, Yes, you know. but, there's a but here. Yeah. So, do you, do
1: you never, what I've learned is, you never lose that yearning for wanting to DJ
0: in front of a big crowd. And and fuck that shit up. And fuck yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. up. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> now, and, y'all know, I mean, it's
1: just, yeah, there's just yeah. not a better feeling in this world to, to, you know, to, um, you know, to control that crowd. And, You know, and and don't get me wrong, you know, I still get that fix, you know, but I pick and choose what I want to do. And a lot of it is clubs that are, you know, I I get a high off of DJing. I got to be careful how I word this because I don't want (laughs) to offend anybody Um, when I do more of the commercial P1 type clubs as opposed to. Sexy Hollywood Club, and don't get me wrong, I'll go in a sexy Hollywood Club and fuck that bitch up. But then that's when the DJ in there gets scared, um, that was on vacation or that had to sit <laughs> there. And, and normally he did that closing set, I mm-hmm. mean, that uh, headlining set, right? You know, oh, I thought they got Felly in here doing it this week. Oh, shit. And then when I kill it and I leave, what that DJ does is goes and says, Well, you know, he shouldn't have done this and he shouldn't have done that. And blah, 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 blah. So, what I found is, you know, when I um, when I, when I can go do a club in L.A., like real L.A., the, that crowd, they want to dance. They appreciate who you are. Not that if I go into a Hollywood club or a Vegas club that they don't. But I tend to get, I think the word I'm looking for is some of these clubs are very pretentious. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced the year, over the years when, when I would do the Vegas stuff, I had a lot of experiences where in the middle of my set, and you guys know how it is, you know, hey, so-and-so just spent 5K. Uh, this guy just spent 5K, and he wants to hear blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. So when we give you the sign, you know, play these songs. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of shit was, was, you know, was really tough for me. And it was a pivotal point in the DJ game. And I think promoters realize, like, um, you know, Felly is not that dude to do this so he's not who we need to have at this party mm. and it wasn't until um a little later that i realized like maybe i should have done that <laughs> just <that fucker>. said <laughs> it," but you know because you know it, it back in the day it was a, unless you were an am yeah. you know rest in peace mm-hmm. you know you 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 had to do that mm-hmm. and i looked at myself as that type of dj uh unfortunately Uh, And fortunately, unfortunately, because I I looked at myself as that type of DJ because I knew what what I had as a DJ. I could come in and I could rock the shit out of a party upside down, inside out, old school, new school, all schools rule, spread out the genres a little bit, but keep it mainly hip hop. I had that ability to go in and do a a Diplo set or um, or, or or an AM set. And, and uh, unfortunately, I was, you get stereotyped on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it be like, oh, he probably can only do this. You know, and, and I mean, Flex dealt with it in, in New York. You know, he, and now he's, he's beasting in the clubs right now. Um, he's doing any and everything. He's doing a lot of um, DJing for, you know, the concerts yeah. when, they, when they come mm-hmm. around. But, uh, but it's a stigma attached. You know, now the difference between me and Flex is I think I'm a, a lot better DJ than Flex. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, he's he's you know you know, and I have an ultimate respect for him. I'm a different type of DJ. I'm a blending DJ, and if I do slam, my slam is is very meticulously thought out
0: or mm-hmm. whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, you got a great presence on the mic. Uh, thank I've you. I've heard you a few times. Like I think you did a, I think you did a scam anniversary in Vegas at Marquee, and you got on the mic towards the end of like an Eric Deluxe set. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "Damn, this this motherfucker sound good was on that, the mic." Was you know? that when Irie
1: and uh, yeah, I think Jermaine so. was there. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember Scoop grabbed a mic from me. He's like, yeah, oh, I get the mic," and I'm yeah. like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> He's like,
0: okay. I'm like, "Oh shit!" But I've heard you had a few scam like uh, like uh, sujit you know sujit birthday parties. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the west coast where you would get on and sujit you know.
1: never has me dj or host any of his parties no nah. why is crazy. that why is that i don't know i i, I really don't know i don't i, I, I sujit could answer that question um i think part of it is you know they have they have um he has his go-to guys yeah. you know what i'm saying um you know uh and and you know sujit my brother you know he's you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's my brother. <laughs> you know. And seriously, though. But 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 we all have the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, in different ways. I just think um, I don't know. Maybe is maybe he thinks Fally
0: wouldn't want to do that. I don't. I don't know. You know. I think now in this in this day and age, I think actually radios is, is a is a good thing for a club DJ because oh, it, I, I've always said that though. Yeah, I've I think, always said. I that. think now it's like it's like you're kind of like you know. It's marketing. You're 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 building a following, and you know I think it, it goes hand in hand now. Whereas, like maybe 10, 15 years ago, right, you know, being a radio DJ was like, nah, you ain't fit for the clubs. We don't want your following. <laughs> Are in you our gonna build. play yeah. a record yeah. and yeah. talk
1: yeah. after it before you play the next record? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or
0: we don't want you know we don't want that radio following in our club. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't. Oh, there's definitely, yeah. Yeah. there's definitely that. There's
1: definitely that there's
0: definitely that and i totally understand that and that's that that's actually but i feel like that doesn't really pertain to anything nowadays not not well, so much
1: especially in vegas it doesn't pertain yeah. you know yeah, I think an it helps in here. vegas yeah. like yo the yeah. dude's Maybe. on the radio in la you know. well for me what it is is it always goes back to the, that the, the that felly fell that had these records mm-hmm. um you know and. You know it's funny, man, because like I always wanted to be the dude that you booked me because I'm a dope ass d j mm-hmm. and when I really started getting booked at clubs it was <clears throat> it was actually anything but that um it was it, 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 here's, here's a funny thing. I can't tell you how many times I' have d j places, and afterwards they're like, "Man, and they tried to catch themselves, but they said it, man, you're actually really dope, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean and I, never, <laughs> I would hear that and I'm like the fuck did you book me for <laughs> but then i had to realize well you booked me because i had the same reason you would book an artist that has these records you right. know you have records. records yeah mm-hmm. and um that would rub me the wrong way i wouldn't show that but inside i'd be like that's amazing. that's some fucking bullshit like i think i'm a better dj than i am a producer yeah uh but that's just how that's it fun. is man i accepted that you know uh if
0: you it's, know it's funny how you could have like a, a hit song like that and have it almost be like not a dark shadow, but almost have it like you know, almost hurt a, a certain aspect of your other career. You know, like or have it like maybe pigeonhole you into like one category. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it, I, I do. It's, it's very weird though. It's it, it, something it, like that can happen. It, you know, you know,
1: it, it's here's what I say, man. Like you know, I, I'm I've been very blessed to, you know, have have uh you know, had the music career that I've had. Um, had the dj career that i've i mean i've djed in all over the world um, and in all kind of different you know um, type of clubs from europe to you know um, to to all over asia um, mm-hmm. you know i've been all over the united states there's not been been too many cities that i haven't been to and then with with my radio career you know i i've i've had great numbers in radio um up to now you know yeah. i got the number one afternoon Show in the city, and so I can't, you know, you're yes. talking to somebody who can't really. How's it gonna sound if I can, compl- you know, I complain? I, I, and uh, but you still, for me, what it is is you know, it's just I'm very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the competitive is not the word, um, you know, just always wanting to strive for, you know, I have hunger and 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 just have a love for music and. You know w- wanting to accomplish you know ambitious things. like you know, ambitious yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty ambitious person and there's a gift and a curse there too you know there's what do they say ignorance is bliss mm. but there's also you know being less ambitious can be you know can create some peace because right. if, if nothing's ever enough you know and sometimes you know i've had to kind of sit back and say man is there ever going to come a time where like i'm content uh, with the things that i've accomplished and um I think That's the
0: answer you you're being real tough on yourself, I, right? I, yeah, I, yeah. I think
1: I think the answer to that is um I've had to learn to to be uh content but not let be so content to where it's right. you know it, it becomes like okay, I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, somebody told me the other night <clears throat> it was a, it was actually a um a, a DJ at work and we were hanging out and uh we might have been a little intoxicated. And he, he was—he he made a comment, and it really made—he didn't even realize it, it made me think, um, because he said, uh, "Man, you act like you know the shit's in the past for you." Yeah. Um, because yeah. I had said something, and he was like, "And I said, of course, you know, I played it off, but um, I was like, nah, nah, nah. But I do have sometimes—I think I have this thing where it's like, I think because of all the things I've accomplished, for me to think that I could do do that again, and he, or, or, and or more of it." Is almost kind of unrealistic, kind of like it was yeah. in the beginning, where it was like for me to have accomplished those things, it was surreal to me. Mm-hmm. So for me to, you know, do those things again, part of it is probably
0: um, self esteem, you know. Um, it's the Nicki Minaj syndrome, mm. where she's yeah. accomplished so much. And I think she had that debut album, right? And she hit number two. Mm-hmm. It was against Travis Scott. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. That and she and travis Scott hit number one mm-hmm. and then she came and she she hit number two what album was the debut it was her third album, right? third album no no i'm saying it was her this third was, album. this was last year yeah yeah i'm saying yeah. It was no,
3: her right. deb- oh the album debut you're talking about
0: Yeah, the album debut mm-hmm. they came out, at the, yeah, they came he, out yeah. at the same time came out at the same time on the same day actually. Yeah. on the same day yeah. and she exactly. moved, she moved like 180 units or something crazy which is not bad which is amazing yeah but She was paired against one of the biggest hip-hop stars at this time, and it was almost like she always has to top what she did last time, Mm -hmm. and she can't accept the fact that, yo, doing 180,000 units, being number two. Not It's not even the fact of being number two. It's like you sold 180 units, and of course you're number two to Travis Scott, but the fact that you moved all of these units and you have this much of a following and people value you. After all this time time being in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And it still didn't make her happy and she was so tough on herself and it made her seem petty because she couldn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah, yeah. And And I see, and that's what I don't want.
1: I've never wanted to be that person and that's why I've I've caught, I had to, you know, check myself and say, man, I mean, I've never showed that out in the open yeah, kind of like she did because that was, I remember when that happened I was like, yo, really? Like, Damn, but I but I have been that way in my own head. Yeah, you know where it's kind of like, man, you know, I, 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 I uh, you you don't you almost don't want to try because you know you don't have to worry about failing. Right, and
0: um and, and like putting yourself out there, right, is a lot of work. You're like well, you're, you know you're selling yourself. T- to a bunch of people and uh, you know it's, it's yes you know what i mean you're reselling it's, yourself rebranding yeah. and marketing See, yeah to, to
1: sell yourself is one thing you know there could be reservations or fears there but to resell and do it all over right. again you know it's it, there's it, it's it's a tough one man because you know you you almost kind of you there's a side that wants to say and i and i'm not comparing myself to the status with somebody like michael jordan but to use that when michael jordan i think he had three rings he retired remember his dad got killed he retired and then he came back two years later changed his number to 45 yeah mm-hmm. that season i think flopped. changed his number back to 23 and then won two or three more rings mm-hmm. um to come back is was probably harder for him than initially starting coming mm-hmm. out of uh, north carolina right um and again i don't compare myself to the status of that, but it's a similar type thing in the sense that
0: that pressure that, you that. know
1: because it's almost like man, do I really want to go back in the league? what if I've already got three rings do i what if i am not able to get i don't want to do this unless I can get another ring and I think that's if kind of been what it is for me but but i'm not serving myself well um you know at all um, yeah. so what 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 i what I ended up doing was and you asked me about the americanos uh before we started. I think we were walking up from yeah. from, from the street. Uh, it was a
0: group that you you were pretty much working with and so around two thousand and fifteen f- yeah, for right? the last yeah.
1: three years or so and we signed uh we signed a couple of deals but the 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 one was through um um interscope with a song called blackout with um little john tiger and juicy j yeah and then we did um we did, we signed to Atlantic. We did a song with French Montana, Ty Dollar Sign, Lil Yachty. Mm-hmm. Um, also, your songs, those songs have been featured in motion pictures, right? Yes. That was where the most success came for us with the Americanos group, with the soundtracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Via, um, soundtrack stuff. yeah mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got to experience a little bit of that world and saw the money that was there, you know, have done, you know, well. You know, we landed there's a couple of different movies that we landed um, stuff on we are your friends we're your friends It flopped <laughs> miserably uh baywatch um, which kind of with the rock wait, wait,
0: wait. we are your friends was the dj movie Yeah, Zac Zac yeah. yeah. ironically <laughs> we, efron, la- yeah.
1: we landed music in that in the movie zach efron yeah and it flopped <laughs> <laughs> miserably so we were all excited y'all oh,
0: dj movie Z- excuse me zach efron you know but uh Embrata was in it right that uh Mm. that model was yeah yeah Uh yeah Yeah.
1: but um so the um i got i kind of i think and don't get me wrong like i love i love my guys alex and louie um the other side of the americanos but i think in a way it was a okay i can i'm still doing stuff but and and, and a lot of it was was i did want to experience with doing some stuff that wasn't it was a little bit out of the hip hop zone. I'll do the bots. Not that I hadn't done records like that before, yeah, yeah. but it, what I so what you heard of the Americanos, the songs you heard, that mm-hmm. wasn't the direction I, I thought we were going to go. Mm-hmm. But then when, when we made the group, they were like, Fally we can do hip hop. He knows all these people. So we ended up doing all these hip hop records yeah. where I wanted it was originally what I wanted to do and what I thought we were going to do were more festival driven. I don't want to say EDM ish, but experiment. Well, I want to do experimental sounds, sounding records, mm-hmm. and um, it just always kept going back to hip hop features, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but don't get me wrong. It mm-hmm. was I mean I, I like I said I we'll we'll do more records too. Um, yeah. But I need you know what I'm doing is getting back on my felly, my felly fell uh, you know game, um, and that's what I'm. You know I just built a new studio actually in my in my house. And I'm excited to to really yeah 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 put a put a dent in that I thing. think now's now's Look, the time man. I
0: keep telling dudes like yo just with streaming you know being such a new platform, it's like yo you can just push music out and mm-hmm. there's really nothing to lose and like right. and if you just need like a couple good uh like a like a good marketing team behind you they can come up with a good strategy on social media to really kind of build something like i you know we recently were talking about russ right yes on an interview with joe buttons on youtube i mean the dude put out a new song every week for how long like fifty two weeks for whatever that year span was yeah for a year and he just built this following up and with this and i that's what i when i was looking at your resume you know your discography there's a diligence and there's a consistency to that. <laughs> there's a
1: yearly diligence. No,
0: Here. but I, I respect that because there's like <laughs> yeah. a holiday. He had a fucking weekly. He put
5: out
1: more records in a year than I've put out. Period. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. I no, I, what I respect you're that because
0: there's a lot of DJs that aren't even doing nothing. It's quite, you know yeah, for saying? me, it's
1: quality. Not that Russ has not put out yeah, uh, yeah. quality records because he has. Um, Russ is my dude. I'm a fan, um, but but for me, I'm just I, I'm a perfectionist to a fault. Uh, You know, I'm a perfectionist to a fault, um, and that's that's part of the reason that there was never an album that came because I just uh, I think the ADD you know kicks in and Mm -hmm. you know I just can't finish the shit. It's 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 a terrible problem to have and it's a great problem to have because I also attribute that to probably the creativity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that and I will say, and 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 I and I, I I've I've been very honest about, you know, my relationship and how I feel, you know, about Khaled. Um, So I'll I'll continue to be honest, I guess. (laughs) You know, and it's not to take anything away from him or, you know, um, but I think the reason he's able to focus on the branding thing so hard, whereas I, I can't, is because, i'm i guess i'm left-brained more or left-brained more i think is the creative side or maybe i have it wrong mm-hmm. I, I i'm i'm the guy that you know I, i'd rather just be in the studio you guys go out and take what i do and brand it and do do it i don't want to be a. am not good at that um where he was and again it's not to take anything away from his ear in the studio and his in his um abilities uh, because I do believe that there's a side of Cal that's actually a, there's some genius there. Right. Um, when it comes to the talent side, even. Yeah. yeah but I'm a hand, executive yeah, producing. Yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. I'm more of a hands-on. Like mm-hmm. I like producing the beat. I like doing it from the first symbol to the last. You know, snare and the, the key, the keys. You know, whatever. Finding the sample, um, and being a part of that to to the very end of who's the features you know even going to the features and saying do it like this can you change this like this mm-hmm. you know um you know the song that we did uh, as the Americanos with um Ty Dolla on in French Montana I wrote that hook I sang that hook and I came to Ty and literally played the <laughs> beat through some speakers and, and just sang out loud I was like here's the hook and he's like yo and he loved it and um and 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 sang it and you know we it was 80 percent the same hook that i did so i i nice. give and take you know i do that, but i like that's what i like mm-hmm. um and you know hence the fact you've even heard me on, on some of my records you know even to get bucking here even if it was you know uh shake that thing shake that thing or yeah. uh on on boomerang or i think there was some other records but anyway i i'm, I'm a creative in the sense of on hands-on and um it, it, it it's it's great, but he's, it's he's, I don't have that other side. He's
0: very much a salesman,
1: though. You know what he, I mean? Like yeah,
0: he's I'm, he is a salesman. He is, and uh, that's that
1: takes a lot of energy and a lot of time
0: that I chose and realized that I didn't want to apply. And it's myself. it's it's hard to do that. And I I've talked to these dudes a lot because I'm a horrible. I'm like I'm really like to me. I'm really keen on marketing. I'm really keen on creating but I I'm horrible at self-promotion and I'm horrible at selling myself but I could sell the shit out of a product somebody else or 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 something that I've created I could definitely put a marketing plan behind it but I just don't want to put a marketing plan behind myself and then there are those people that can really just go out there and and shamelessly and tirelessly sell themselves mm. yeah. over and over and over again multiple times a day you know yeah. what i mean seven days a week just selling themselves I don't, I don't you know have the, i don't and they, have the energy. but there's a talent there you know <laughs> yeah there's a talent 100.
1: yeah yeah but but that but that exactly what you said yeah. is why when i hear people talk shit about Kaladin, particularly as i say look man you know you can say what you want but what he's accomplished is fucking amazing Uh Um, and you know, that, that, that's something that all of us as DJ producers, you know, we, 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 we want to, to be there. And, you know, as, so as much as I can sit here and tell you like Cali can't sit down and do a beat like I can, or he, you know, and I don't know, maybe he can, maybe he's, there's something I don't know that he, but I don't think so. Um, (laughs) But, but, but as much as I'll tell you that, um, you know. He, maybe maybe he can do that stuff and he just doesn't want to apply himself in that area, same with me like maybe mm-hmm. I can sell myself um, I just don't want to apply myself in that area, I don't know what it is but, but I do know this, you can't take anything away from somebody who um, has the success that he has and he worked hard for it and I, He paid dues Oh yeah. shit They yeah, D- didn't sleep I want to sleep You know At night Meaning I want to get A full eight hours sleep. sleep mm. um, And you know I, I hear I see people post something Like never sleep And not necessarily Calum But you see people post stuff Like no, no vacations, and yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know where you, you're gonna wake up one day, and you're gonna have three more years to live, you know, when you're 80 years old, and motherfucker, take a vacation. Like, I'm not, I'm just not that dude, and I don't have a problem with saying, hey, everybody, I'm on vacation, um, you know. But, but when I'm working, I'm working, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I, I I wake up, I grind, um, and you know, I, I find time to spend with my family and the people i love and um and my my homies that i like being around and i have a a life outside of music and radio and the entertainment business because you know i love life Mm -hmm. Um, i don't want (laughs) to wake up one day and say my whole life is only you know here's the big picture of life and here's hip-hop and music you know i want to experience a whole lot and i have and i continue to um, you know, and I and, and so that's probably another reason, you know, because I want to do other things, and it's hurt me, uh, if you if you want to put it that way, I guess it's taken me away from some of the things that I maybe could have accomplished further, mm-hmm. whether it's DJing or putting out more records. But yeah, yeah. but I'm okay with it. You know, I, like I said, I'm I would sound really bad if I complained about. It. I don't have man, if I die tomorrow, knock on wood.
3: <laughs> you know, I've, I've
1: had an amazing life, and I'm, I'm,
0: you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super duper blessed. Um, mm, definitely. We got, we got one last question. Yeah, yeah. Kind of an interesting story. Okay. Uh, I don't know, Jamie. You want to set this up? <laughs> okay. So back in 2001, okay. there was an
2: incident that happened that you were kind of involved between KRS-One and Nelly. Uh,
1: I, I, I vaguely remember. I vaguely remember. But uh, it'd been light me a little more. <laughs> I want to hear the the, the 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 story that you guys heard. Okay, okay. So it'll apparently it'll, it'll it'll make me remember remember more.
2: <laughs> so apparently Nelly had the song "I Am Number One," mm. and KRS-One had an issue with that statement that he was number one or whatever at the time, mm. which he was. He was something mad units. Well, oh. no,
0: he had that song. Yeah, yeah that's he, what had to do he do was. He was a little Nas-X of yeah. that moment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So. um... So I guess Karis wanted to feel like like he went up to the station to your show, and I guess he did like a freestyle dissing Nelly, and then it just so happened that Nelly came up that same week, and he did a, a freestyle. And you aired it, and then Karis one called the station, and he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna come and bomb this shit out, power." <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. true story. <laughs> true story. Now I remember. I mean, I, I I listen, man. I'm telling you, there's so many stories. That, that when you brought that up right now I'm like yeah. I remember there was something that happened but I couldn't but yeah now I remember yeah he he was going to be he I don't know how it get, went down I, I think he actually physically came up to the um and that the the station was security giving to, security uh
2: pictures of his face to look yeah. out from
1: <laughs> yep yep see if that that would never happen in today you know because it was well, pre-social pre pre media it was pre-9-11 pre right yeah it was it? before yes. 9-11 yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it would never yeah. happen post yeah. 9-11 definitely um was it, that, yeah i guess was it pre yeah it was yeah, pre- because he would never say i'm gonna bomb that building yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> mad enough 9/11. You know? And Karras is from New York. He wouldn't say that shit. Like, yeah. Post I'm 9 trying 11. to think.
3: You sure it wasn't after 9-11? I mean, I don't remember. Because uh, um, I know he had that diss record. No, Nelly had dissed him on the... Um, oh, man. What was the the dude from um, Rockefeller? Can't Stop, Won't Stop? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on from the remix, And he dissed um Karras Will on that remix. And that song came out in 2002. Really? That's what I'm thinking. That had to be after, well, after I mean, 9-11. Well, I know that... That was...
4: 2000 because that was on the training day soundtrack. Yeah. So okay. that, that movie came yeah. out in
3: 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I Can't Stop, Won't Stop? No no no, 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 no. I Am Number One. I Am Number, I'm one. number one. Okay, yeah, yeah you're Nelly right. Yeah, yeah, you're the, right. The mm-hmm. soundtrack. yeah,
0: I just remember that there was a beef between KRS-One and Nelly mm-hmm. and I just thought it was ridiculous that KRS-One would even want to beef with Nelly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, for me, now that I'm
1: remembering all this, I remember thinking at the time and I told my boy Vinny that that um, <laughs> Vinny the freaking Regan, he produced my show at the time. Now, he's actually still worked for the state. He still works with us. He's a in production, but he was my producer at the time uh, on the air, and I remember. And he's he's a New York cat, uh, you know. Mostly grew up here in L.A., but you know, all his family's from New he York. He does the so. videos where he um, plays the yeah, original the samples,
3: samples yep. and then he plays the um records mm-hmm. that sampled it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, you know, Vinny being a hip hop head, and you know, obviously myself. Uh, <laughs> I remember telling him. Oh shit, man! How the fuck did I just get involved in this? And and being such a huge KRS-One fan, Mm -hmm. uh, BDP fan growing up, and I'm like, this guy probably hates me. Um, And 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 it it was in retrospect that I realized, no, you know, he knows, you know, he's not focused on me and being so upset. Although he was upset with me, uh, he was just more so upset with. Nelly, right. and with um, the state of, of hip hop at, at the time, yeah. And you know, I feel like that's always gonna be like uh, in a couple of years, you're gonna you're gonna have some of these guys saying hip hop's dead, but they're gonna have to say hip hop's dead again because Nas already did that. And you know, it's just a you know, <laughs> KRS One did it. You know, Nas did it. You know, yeah, yeah. Jay Z somewhat did it. But you know, I think that's just how it is, man. You know, mm-hmm. people get people grow. Uh, and then and and then some people uh, grow as well, but grow accustomed to the things that they were familiar with, and they they don't grow into the to uh, embracing new things. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was Karis like calling you up like, how the fuck are you gonna let him come on the air and diss me on a freestyle? Or he was more so upset about like, how the fuck did he have the nerve to diss me mm. on a freestyle? He I don't I think his if I remember
1: correctly um when 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 him and I spoke it was very brief and it was more of a it was one of those things where it was like I can't believe you would even let this guy you know you're you're basically putting him in the same whatever and I and I remember saying listen man I you know I'm just a facilitator you know what I'm saying like I who am I I'm a DJ like you know what I'm saying like I I I you know I have a lot of respect for you as care as right. one but i'm also a fucking dj you know it's like it's not like i'm just keeping it real like I, it's not like i was digging in the crates type of dj um in the sense of the real term we all grew up with back in the old school like i wasn't a backpacker dj i was a dj that i was basically i think tried to explain to him like look man i'm an i'm a nelly fan I, I break his records he's he's a he's a Commercial. I play commercial music at clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a lot of your commercial records at when I was growing up um, at house parties and at clubs as well. Um, you know, and that was a, pretty much the end of it. I think, you know, and he's a smart guy. You know, he, you know, but... I think it's just the way way of the game, man. You know,
0: really weird. I thought it was weird the whole beef. I was like, whoa. yeah, Nelly." Who'd have ever thought Nelly and Keras won? Yeah, that doesn't was, even make any sense. But yeah, but Karis one is notorious for
3: doing dumb shit like that. Like he got into it with um, PM Dawn. Back in oh, the old, back in the days, remember I that vaguely shit? remember that. Now <laughs> yeah, they had paper doll and uh, yeah, it was like. Wait, he, what was the beef with PM Dawn? PM Dawn <laughs> said some. They kind of dissed Harris one in one of their songs. How did they diss him? They just said something negative. It wasn't even a diss. It was just well, like fuck the boogie down. He took it the wrong way. So they was performing at um, this club, Sound Factory, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Sound it was on stage, performing. Out of nowhere, the whole BDP crew came on stage oh, and pushed them off. And then, it's so funny, because he performed, he had his DJ get on and put on the instrumental to "I'm number one, and he performed that song. Wow. And PM mm. Dawn got kicked, they left the club, because they got scared they was going to get jumped. <laughs> oh, shit. But that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. That's not, I'm not mad at that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's crazy.
2: <laughs> I don't know if he could have done that to Nelly, but yeah. That but yeah, shout yeah. out to, uh, to Vinny, because he told me that
1: story. Oh, where? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: to call him. I was like, "Yeah, wow. right, I need some now, research. See, I'm going to
1: tell you something Vinny probably knows remembers more stories than me. Yeah. Because um you know, he he was there. He said uh, when you started, kind of he house, started. Yeah. We started uh with, with, at the exact same time. Um couldn't have been within a month of one another. And um uh, we just kind of hit it off and Vinny had the skills, he had the knowledge, he he had everything I wanted in a a a producer Mm. he knew the hip-hop side of things and he knew the technical side of running the boards yeah and then we just you know and then everybody thought we were brothers because we we looked a lot alike and it just (laughs) it was one of them things where we just kind of hit it off and i think he ran so he ran my show for about man it had to be at least seven or eight seven years and then um during a lot of that time he was also um he was also uh helping me in my studio during the day so he would you know because I, mean, I would get so much vinyl he would he would he would help me go through it all he'd help me open up the vinyl and um, you know you know he was he was there for me help me he, he would help me i remember i did a Nas um little manaz mixtape um where Nas hosted the whole tape you know, he would help me put that together. I would, I would put the gist of it together. Vinny would come in and produce and do the final touches. And because mm-hmm. at that time I was, move, I was moving so fast that uh, it, it was definitely quality over quantity. But I knew the importance of like, all right, I got the, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I, I couldn't do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And Vinny was somebody, and you know, um, that I would show him how to do certain things. You know, on the music side, he wasn't um like he wasn't he he knew pro tools but he didn't know it and i would show him different little things and here's Mm -hmm. how you got to do this and when beat go you know take the track and do this to it and he would learn and you know he helped me put together you know mixtapes with snoop and Mm -hmm. game and uh, one of my favorite mixtapes that i did was with dub c um you know and i would get these guys rapping over you know um Shit, that they normally like. I got Dubsy rapping over like, um, uh, shit. What was the juvenile song? Um, huh? Uh, motion, um, slow slow motion. motion. Slow motion. Yeah. Slow motion. Yeah. And and I would, I would I remember Dub would be like, you know, he he was. I, I remember thinking he was gonna be unsure about like, you know, but uh, I, you know, he was at the same time was like, you know, I think happy to be able to rap over. Um, low key like some 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 of these kind of beats yeah. yeah but he was he'd make sure that I, i'm a rap over that but i'm a beat dub see like a motherfucker on this yeah. you know you know it wasn't slow motion it was like you know pistol in motion or something he'd flip it some you know gangster ass way but uh yeah man i mean I, like i said and that was another thing like some of the mixtapes i did um you know i just When you accomplish so much, you know, and and you've done it for as long as I have, um, you know, and and I, you know, I had kids uh, and, and it was, it was one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like now, you know, now my kids are are older, Mm -hmm. they can, they can, they're doing their own thing. And it's almost kind of like, you know, um, it's been kind of a, kind of a rebirth uh, for me um i think you got some time right yeah i got some time you know uh, i remodeled my house and that's been a chore in itself um you know a blessing but a chore and and you know like people that are close to me like nor uh my assistant and she's my producer Uh, she's working a lot with nick cannon now in the mornings but but she's still my my assistant i call her my bestie because assistant sounds you know demeaning toward her she she, we're besties but she she knows kind of like you know how to you know when you're juggling a you, know, you got a house you know and you got you got you're traveling to go see family out of town you're traveling to go do gigs um and you're you're trying to do a full-time radio show i do a lot of recording like mm-hmm. i have a mic you know, i plug it in my phone you know i use a an app and uh you know so i i gotta work smart mm-hmm. and 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 uh you know i i'm 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 now the, the last piece is when this studio gets done. That'll be the last part of the remodel uh, of my house, <clears throat> and I'll be able to. And I remodeled a cut, remodeled. Uh, I I, custom, I built a couple of cars, and you know, just I I started putting time into things that were more, um, you know, I don't want to say I don't like using the word normal, but they were outside the music industry. You know, I started doing stuff with my house and with my cars, and doing stuff that. That over these years, I didn't have time to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, the remodeling this house definitely wasn't enjoyable. But but, <laughs> but knowing that I'm going to be able to enjoy it and, and putting in the creative input I did. That, like, I want this like this. You know, yeah. I love doing shit like that. Yeah. It's like producing a song. Mm-hmm. Now I've gotten that stuff is coming, you know, come to a close. And I feel like, all right, you know, I, I'm excited about making this run. On these next songs that i 'm going to do, yeah, you know, I was having that talk with Mustard recently. I was having a talk with John today on the phone, mm-hmm. um, and you know I've just been kind of picking some people 's brains and it 's funny when you start asking questions about how people are dealing with the same shit you are, yeah, you know some some on a different level, mm-hmm. but uh but you know it puts things in perspective, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes you know even this, man, like thank you guys, because like nice. you know having these kind of conversations with people that. Understand who you are and know what you do, and and mm-hmm. and, 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 and most importantly, we're all DJs. It, you know, just having this conversation has been uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh,
0: uh, therapeutic. Therapeutic. Yeah. yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. You that's know. no, dope. I mean, yeah. you know, we're we're really honored to have you on the show, man. And uh, yeah, thank you. You know, me yeah. and Never being from New York, it's dope to do some, like to talk to like you know like Jamie and D who are from LA, and they have a history with you. And there's a you know, this this yeah. legacy with you know, with Power one oh six and then you know, just hearing all these stories of how you put together these, you know, your production and putting mm-hmm. all these artists together and I, I just feel like it comes full circle because John is releasing music now. Got the Mac Dre, you know, must have just dropped something and I think I don't think the young younger producers and the younger musicians or, or rappers and writers I don't think they're making club music or dance music per se, and I think there is uh that sound missing that that void, club, yeah. void to be filled yeah, 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 exactly yeah and I think I think that you know there's something to say about all of you guys working together though, you know For what sure. I'm saying like you know like you know young and old and just kind of like the OGs and then the, the new blood coming together and working together. Yeah. And we're all going to look forward to that um. T Pain album that you guys <laughs> you know, uh, T Pain album, bro. He
1: can't pay me enough money to do that shit. <laughs> he, you know, whenever he starts crying, would you like, you're like "All
2: right, maybe." <laughs>
1: yeah, I've seen him cry <laughs> enough. I've, that would, uh yeah, no. Yeah. He, we maybe after I get some of my new shit done, me yeah, and Pain. On, yeah. but I do want to. Uh, he's actually somebody that I that I hopefully will want to do some yeah. some new shit with. And but I'm gonna. That'll be. Look, I'm doing to do it my way, motherfucker. Do, yeah, do it, do, do, listen it, to what I it, tell you to do. Do, it, and, do a
0: five-song EP and yeah, just, man, do, just he, he
1: do something, He, he still won't call, do it.
0: You could call it Fell the Pain. He, he
1: still yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> he still won't do the shit exactly how I want him to do it because, you know, he knows it all. But he... uh but yeah, now, like, on one song, I'll, I'll get as much as I can out of him to yeah. do it my way, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do that on a whole project. I, shit, that wouldn't. We're going to wait on that. I've EP seen him ahead. in the studio working on his own shit. Yeah. I think it's easier for him to be in the studio and work on somebody else's shit. Mm-hmm. You know, hence, you know, all I do is win, win, win. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that, that's just how it goes sometimes, man. You know, sure. he's, he's, his, he's, he's, he's his own worst critic.
0: Yeah. Mm. yeah, Felly Felt. Thank you so much for coming oh, to. Yeah, man. We went a little, you know, uh, we went past the time that we needed to. Nah, I'm it's sorry man, man. Uh, it, nah, it's, yeah, it's man.
1: honestly, man, it's yeah. been my pleasure, man, yeah. and uh, I appreciate you guys. You know, we appreciate you, man. man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, thank bro. you. Much
0: respect. Thank you, man.
2: Well, yeah, thank bro. you, brother. Thanks, guys. Nice. You can catch this video Thanks on youtubecom slash road podcast, and please subscribe, comment, and like. Hit the little notification bell for you get the video first on Friday. And And, a big shout to DJ City, man. Thank you, DJ City. Uh, We out. peace.
1: Peace. Peace.